Hey there, hi there, ho there, what's going on, Gatsby heads? This is one half of the Gatsby team, Terrence Hartnett speaking. Um, thanks for tuning in uh, to one extra bonus episode here. I uh, have made a few life changes since we last spoke. I've I've left New York City. Actually, we discussed that. I, I, as you heard in the podcast, on, on most of season four, uh, Pride and Prejudice, I had left the city. Um, and since we last spoke, I have purchased a van and uh, put a bed in it so that I could drive around the country interviewing old friends, new friends, and interesting people for a new podcast that I have called down by the river get it ha 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 see so uh this is my new adventure i'm really excited about it i've gotten to interview people all over the country people i just met people i've known for years uh like my oldest comedy friend max friedman i talked to him about why he quit comedy i met a woman named kelsey who dated a psychopath for a brief time and uh while she was dating him she found while she was dating him she found out that he was dating 11 other women at the exact same time. And uh, she talks to me about how she dealt with that. Um, and she was just somebody I met at a campsite. Pretty cool. So I thought I would share with you my favorite episode um, so far. I think it's one of the one, one something that you guys would like as OK Gatsby listeners. It's with a comedian slash author. This is Sam Talent. He is a legendary Denver comedian who wrote a novel called Running the Light. It's about a washed up stand-up comedian and uh i visited him at his home in fort collins colorado we had a great talk about books we mentioned um a lot of cormac mccarthy and george saunders kurt vonnegut um a lot of my favorites and sam also shares uh of uh an affinity for those authors um and Sam's book is great. You can buy it at samtalent, samtalent.com. That's talent with two L's. And it's a great book. Uh, so, oh, yeah. So the, the, the podcast is called Down by the River. It's at Down by the River Pod on Instagram. We do clips of the of the interviews on Instagram with video. Um, and you can follow uh, my pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or whatever podcast app you have. We're going to be on it. Um, so thanks for tuning in. Here's, here's the interview with Sam. I hope you like it. Um, let me know what you think. And, uh, if you like it, please uh, subscribe to the pod. Hopefully we can get some more. Okay. Gatsby for you soon as well. All right. Miss you. See ya. gambling a lot especially football and uh last weekend was my sister's birthday and i sold the audio rights to the book my man so, so yeah so it was very exciting Congrats. but also like i fucking lost way too much money last weekend okay not like a crippling amount but like more than i've ever <laughs> lost before because i was in such high spirits and i like had this check coming in and I lost like $400 on like the Indiana-Penn State game. Oh, my God. Indiana had not beat a ranked opponent in 25 years. And last week, they beat a ranked opponent. And you hate to have like – you hate to have – to lose on an uh, – like it's like their best night of their life. Big, you hit your bet against the underdog. Very exciting game. 
You know, great two-point conversion <laughs> for the win. Guy diving across the goal line. Excellent game. But meanwhile, I got my brother-in-law, who just proposed to my sister that oh, day. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so it was beautiful. So you have all this joy happening in your yeah. life? <laughs> and I was like, no, it's the lock, dude. Yeah, it was – anyway. So, yeah. That's why I, that's why I don't gravitate to sports is because sports to me was always a reason my dad was upset and I didn't understand why. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. why, why, dad? We're all here having a great time. And he's like, God, fucking God, <laughs> yeah. fucking damn it. And also being furious at the Indiana Hoosiers <laughs> is such an asinine place to be in your life. For you know? achieving their dream. For yeah. like For like a story that will be told for, for generations. For sure. Beating number yeah. eight. Penn State in the first weekend of Big Ten football. But they had and meanwhile, I'm just, I mean, I was in the hot tub at halftime. Like, Mel, we got it. We're fucking smoking weed and partying. And and then we got back in there and it was like, oh, what the fuck happened here? I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's, you know, you know it makes you feel alive. Yeah, exactly. That's what people, um, oh my God, I was just, I was just jeweling. I bought a jewel yesterday. Oh, nice, man. It's not, I mean, it's, it's whatever it is, I guess, right? Are you a cigarette guy? I, well, well, like, I was just stuck in Indiana for like 21 days. Oh, God. And uh, they're just giving them away there. They're just, mm -hmm. they, they're like, you can have cigarettes just because you're here. And then you can smoke them inside. Although I didn't go inside any bars, but, uh, when I did, I, w I would uh, smoke a cigarette in there. Yeah. Just for the thrill of being inside. It's so you look like you've never had a carb or a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> it seems impossible to me that you poisoned your Thank you very much. temple in Thank any you. way. I know. Yeah. I know. That's, oh, yeah. Jewels that's suck, the, man. This is a CBD jewel. Whoa. I'm no off, nicotine? No nicotine because I'm off cigarettes. I've seen ads for that. I wonder why. Because, because I buy fucking jewel products. But why? Why? What's the... CBD is okay, I guess. That does, does something for I you? I think it's the O'Doul's. Of course. Like I really want to be smoking <laughs> cigarettes all the time, but uh, apparently they're bad for you or they're whatever. Bad. They're yeah. bad. Yeah. So this CBD is like a stopgap. A flame on one end and a fool on the other. That's what Kervonigan says about cigarettes. Wow. Yeah. He was in Ithaca for a while. Yes. And, and I, would, I yeah. would go up above that bookstore that he would write above, and like they said that you could only light uh, matches if you were going to smoke a Pall Mall. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's bullshit. But then me and my buddy Clay went up there, and we really had, like, Marlboros, Pall Malls, and Camels. And for some reason, the only cigarette we get lit was a Pall Mall, dude. That's interesting. It's okay. Very, okay. Very kind of the spirit. spirit. Yeah. Yeah. So he was teaching. He taught at a couple colleges. He taught. I mean, he taught at Iowa, like, but he's kind of, like, washed up. Not, I mean, like, it wasn't a great time in his life when he was teaching at these colleges, obviously. I don't think it ever is. Yeah. Yeah. If you're teaching, right. If you're a writer right. who's teaching. Like when – uh Barry Hanna was teaching at Old Miss. It was like the depths of his depression because Larry Brown was there and everyone was like, Larry Brown's like the next tough guy, like literature dude. And Barry Hanna's like, well, I had airships like 15 years ago. Like, what about me? And they're like, shut up, man. Larry Brown's getting drunk in the post office. <laughs> you're washed up. That's yeah. why you're here. That's what sucks. It's like, yeah, things are going great. Would you ever teach writing? I w I'm enamored with the idea of teaching writing. All right. I really would love uh, the opportunity to go teach at a small liberal arts like wesleyan would be like a dream come true wow you okay. know um yeah i don't know what it is i, I really would, i would assume that you would reject the structure of it i don't know why i don't know you very well but just just as a, like as a comedian and because uh, you've been doing you do like you've been doing independent comedy on your own on yeah. your own terms for like over 10 years right yeah just doing 13 your own years but like i really want the respect of the mfa crowd. <laughs> yeah. i desperately want the literati to be yeah. like this guy's one of us like yeah. that was the big issue with self-publishing is that the new york times won't review your book the right. denver post wouldn't do a review they did an artist interview like an author interview okay. which was great but they wouldn't review but it. they won't review it because there's such negative connotations with self-published shit because most self-published books are just vanity it's projects and yeah bullshit. but it's been it's gone well so far yeah it has i'm very grateful for the way it worked out but you know 
Like I really want to go like lecture at the Tin House Press <laughs> in Reed College in Portland. You know, like uh, I, I'd love to go. I'd love to be asked to speak at the Iowa Writers Workshop. As soon as you got that respect, though, you would be shitting on them, don't you think? Oh, for sure. Yeah, right. I'm a comedian yeah, first. Yeah. <laughs> of course, I would hit them with sarcasm and. Uh, you know, thinly veiled meanness <laughs> uh, hidden behind a veneer of humor. But You'd be contemptuous immediately. You'd yeah. instantly hold them in contempt. Like my wife's a doctor and I, would, I like the idea of her doing, they're called locums where you can go uh, be a doctor in these like small underserved communities. And you can be there for a weekend, you can be there for a week, a month, six months or whatever, you take contracts. And like the idea of going to Dartmouth in like very small town New Hampshire and like me teaching at Dartmouth for a semester and like her being the small town doctor. Absolutely. It's like hyper romantic. (laughs) And also I blew it by not going to Dartmouth or Brown. Right. Well, and you said you dropped out of college. You're saying that. I dropped out of college. Which college? I went to Metro State College of Denver. Okay. The home of the Roadrunners. It's the ultimate commuter school right there (laughs) in the heart of downtown. But like I could have played football at Dartmouth, like they sent me a letter, and I had really good scores, and I was like an all-state athlete and like a thespian, and I was like, "Fuck that! I'm not going to Dartmouth, dude. I'm gonna go to Denver and like you could live in a squad house." You love that. You love. You could have gone to an Ivy League school, and yeah. uh, yeah. So they didn't offer. They don't offer like scholarships. Okay, right. Schools for you would have to finance your own Ivy League education. Well, something would have happened. They they have some way. They don't do scholarships, but they have like. I don't know. I didn't look into it at all. Yeah. I like got the letter and was like, I'm the best. Fuck this. Cause <laughs> that's was... the thing is once, yeah, once you get the adulation, it's like, well, I, do I even need to get the degree now? Yeah, I fuck it. They wanted me. It's like the thing, like when I was writing my book where you tell people that you're writing a book and then you don't work on it for a week. Oh yeah. Cause, cause you, you got the, the jolt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got baby. that itch scratched, you oh, know? Yeah. So like just having them send like the thinnest envelope to me about <laughs> maybe considering coming to Dartmouth, I was like, "Fuck, we going to fucking going to Brown and living in Providence when you're 18." Sure, I'm. I fuck, dude. I yeah, just, man. I don't have a lot of regrets, but I was at Harvard over Christmas last year, eating at a diner like by Harvard, and there was all these like young, non-binary, beautiful people <laughs> just like holding hands and like eating spaghetti at like 2 a.m. And I got fucking misty eyed and I went back to the yeah. hotel room alone and like wrote a poem that no one has ever known about but just like <laughs> just like that all that possibility that was in that room dude it was very uh, it was very crushing because I mean, they are they are going to go on to do incredible things just because yeah, they're, they're gentlemen of harvard yeah exactly they'll be all and ladies know, of harvard they'll be in vulture's comic to watch list next year <laughs> they'll do one instagram video and be on it yeah, yeah they'll have exactly. a netflix special because they're fucking and we love joe that. biden and we love that for them and we just that's so great do you write poetry Seri- in any serious way yeah i mean i have like <clears throat> i've written I've written like 40 poems. I wanted to do a book of poetry where it was a poem about every state or written in every state. Cool. Like actually written Good in the confines there. of that state. Yeah. But I can't put that out because my friends would rip me to fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> if I put out a book of poetry, dude, fuck. Putting out a novel was, uh, was, too, was grandiose enough, it's, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, well, but poetry is close to comedy, but it's so much more vulnerable. And there's yeah. no... And there's no like uh, response, obviously, and there's no like crushing it. There's, there's no, no payoff. No, Wait, there's they no snap payoff. harder. Yeah. No, oh my god, they don't even clap. No, dude, they don't even clap. I, I was at a bookstore and I didn't bring your book on the road with me. I don't yeah. know why I didn't. So I, was, I had to. Fi- I ended up buying, having, having to get the ebook and to look at it over before I talked to you. And I was just gonna buy it at a bookstore, but none of the bookstores in Fort Collins have your book. Uh-uh. Um, the Barnes Noble wants to talk to you uh, about getting it into the lo- local authors section. The one in Loveland, or the one here in Fort Collins. Fort Collins. Yeah, they've been nice. A couple of people work at the different Barnes and Nobles across the country, but getting through that bureaucracy of getting into the system right. at Barnes and Noble to make like a dollar eighty <laughs> per book, like it's very flattering. But my book's available in like 
seven bookstores, but they're on three different continents. So like, that's, that's fucking cool. crazy. Yeah, What's the other continents? Australia and then the UK. Amazing. Yeah. I'm trying to get one into this place in Estonia because Estonia <laughs> loves me. They do? I did the number one podcast in Estonia because, of course, Stan Hope's huge in Estonia and like Latvia. I didn't know he was big. At, I, I, yeah, okay. Brother, me either. <laughs> all right? It was all news to me. And uh, yeah, fuck. So this guy in Estonia hit me up and he's like, hi, I'm, like, I do an English language podcast here and like it's very big. And I did it. Then I had like 400, 500 Estonian, Latvian, Bulgarian like followers on Instagram. My God. Yeah. And they, so are they buying books? Because you're shipping yeah, the books yourself. Yeah, yeah. So you know you're putting labels on. I do. But in those like uh, those like ex-Soviet republics, like Amazon's not big. Besides Estonia. Good though, like, right? Well, so it's like I have to ship over there. Yeah. But I feel bad because they get charged 65 bucks American through my website to ship it. You know? Okay. Because wow. the shipping is so expensive the further you go. You know. Wow. It has to be airdropped over the Berlin Wall. Exactly, yeah, dude. Like yeah, it's got to be smuggled in. Yeah. yeah. It's like a game of, uh, oh, fuck, what's it? Well, not Risk. What's the other? Stratego. Stratego. <laughs> Remember Stratego? No, I don't. Oh, my God. What a great game. I love Stratego. That I was did, all of my enhanced, like, that was my, uh, like, uh, what is it called when you're, like, a smart kid? And they put Prodigy? You those, yeah. Well, they, like, when, you're, when you're in the classes or whatever. Yeah. I was a gifted youth. Gifted. And that was just an excuse yeah. for me to play Stratego every day <laughs> with other like kids who that had was lisps. Your gift. Yeah, exactly. Stratego. Yeah, dude. Um, what's up with the shrimp? Are you doing a shrimp farm? So we went and toured a shrimp facility, me and my brother-in-law and uh, our scientist, who's like one of my oldest friends. You're a scientist? So yeah, my buddy Ryan Jansicock is a, uh, he goes to School of Mines, okay. which is like top five countries in the world, colleges in the world especially for like petroleum engineering but he's a genius and he was like we could do the shrimp thing and I, I had a little bit of money from the book or whatever so i was like let's open a shrimp farm and then we went to montana and toured a shrimp facility yeah it's not the cash cow we thought it was okay it's I think not on the podcast i listened to the podcast and at one like in one episode you kind of convinced even me you're like to to like get in the shrimp business like because the gulf is poisoned poisoned by yeah. things Exxon. Exxon. Yeah, I think so. BP. No, BP. BP was there. Well, they've yeah. both done it in the Gulf. In the Gulf. It's all the same oil. They've man. all. <laughs> yeah, it's all the same war that we got it from. Earth blood. Yeah, but yeah, dude, I don't know. I was like, cool. I because it was right when the quarantine hit, and right. I was like, what am I gonna do? Stand what up, the fuck am around. I gonna do? So it was like shrimp, and I was convinced. And then we went up and toured this guy's like giant shrimp facility <laughs> in Montana, and he was like, I, you guys want some shrimp? He like gave us like six pounds of shrimp. He's like, I can't sell them. Oh, like fuck. I've optimized this thing. He was a completely self-made man, like autodidact, but he couldn't figure out how to move the shrimp. <laughs> you can't move his them. whole plan was people driving from Spokane and Boise to his like plot of very rural land in Montana to buy the shrimp out of the back the of shrimp. his truck. Okay, well, this guy's not your guy. No, but also if you want to sell shrimp, you have to have the USDA approval. Okay, unless you sell them live. Okay. So there's like a whole it, we were trying I don't know. We we it's pivoted into uh red tape. into mushrooms. We're Psych doing psychedelic mushrooms. No, no, uh, gourmet no. mushrooms. Okay. Yeah, like moral and uh So those are the ones that grow wild, right? No. And you can farm them? So you can you can't uh you can't grow truffles in a laboratory. Okay. You have to have a pig to hunt for truffles yeah, or yeah. like dogs, but you can grow uh you know, red oyster uh, blue button, just all your like your very gourmet mushrooms. You can grow those in a laboratory. And then in the back, I mean, while you, you have all the stuff, it's in the back. We would never, we would ever, never do. We that. would never do that. We would never uh, do that. That yeah. would be so stupid. Well, they're decriminalized in Denver, 
in the city of Denver. Yeah, okay. but they're not decriminalized statewide. Or in Fort Collins. Or in Fort Collins. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but let's say that they do become decriminalized statewide. Being able to pivot into that space immediately yeah. is like, really but not cool. legal. So you cannot, you can't buy them in a dispensary. But it's cool if you get caught with them. So people are more chill about it. You definitely wouldn't be decriminalized to grow them and sell them in mass quantities. No, not in the least. No, no. <laughs> uh, completely correct. <laughs> but like, if you want to, like, if you want to pay fifty bucks for a T-shirt, you can exactly. buy the T-shirt. But it, you know, as whoops. a free gift, you get a quarter ounce oh, of mushrooms too. I dropped. Uh, whoops. There's yeah. that. Uh huh. Wink, wink. Exactly. I bought it, Nate the mushrooms, and all I got was a stupid T-shirt. Bingo. Yeah. I want to call it uh, Goombas and Hongos. Or Goombas Hongos, because Hongos is like uh, Spanish for mushroom, okay. which is the funniest fucking word ever. <laughs> Hongos. Hongo, dude. <laughs> it rules. Is it Hongo? Is it, they, don't do, they don't do the H, right? Hongo? Or is it with a J? Well, what about, I? no, it's H-O-M-B-O. Okay. Yeah. Or H-O-N-G-O. Hongo. Hongo. Yeah. Hongo. I don't know. I say Hongo, <clears throat> like the honky I we're, am. We're just two honkies talking about Hongos. Yeah. yeah. Well, well I'm actually Latino. I'm a quarter Mexican. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's very secret. We're fi- it's fine. I'm not going to say it's better or worse than any other race. <laughs> nice, I think man. it's exactly fine. It's, that, it's good. I acknowledge your race. Thank yeah, you, That's man. all I'm going to say. Yeah. That's I, all I'll say about that. I would have got JFL a lot earlier <laughs> if I would have gone by Tallente. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Samuel Tallente. That's right. CCC. That's what maybe someone would say. Not, a, not, not a, you. Not me, or I'm not doing a racial voice. That's right. just the voice that I chose to do. But my uncle might say that, yes. you know, on his uh, daughter's 15th birthday. That's the last loophole we have. Is You know, my uncle would tell this joke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Patricio Fernandez and uh, his daughter, Alita. You know, they'll, they'll do that. Yeah, I see. Fuerte. Fuerte. Very strong uncle I have. So we are, yeah, we are in Fort Collins. Mm, in my living room. In your living room. Mm. And uh, I'm curious as to when you moved to Fort Collins and from, from Denver, obviously you moved to Fort Collins. Yeah, correct. Um, we moved here uh, June 1st and my wife started a residency July 1st. So in pandemic. Wait, yeah. is that right? Okay. Mm-hmm, correct, yeah. And uh, it's because of her residency. Yeah, so she graduated from med school in May and she did the whole match process, which is very archaic and strange and like fucking... It's a nightmare. It's it's wild. You have to choose. I dated a girl who was in med school. Yeah. I got I got out. I I cashed out before it paid off. Okay. Yeah. But I did. You had that live bet parlay, and you cashed oh, out before man. it hit. God. God. You needed Indiana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's Indiana because she got yeah she got out uh, before I bought a van and, and okay. traveled across the country. But yeah, um, I got out before she. Which is incredible. I mean, I'm very jealous of what you're up to. I bet on you your Instagram. are. I bet yeah. you are. Yeah. Sure. Because this is something that would be very up your alley. Yeah. Well, it was my life. For, exactly. Right. Know, forever. And you'd be sleeping in cars. You'd be sleeping under cars. <laughs> that was a big move. When my van was on the road, we'd sleep underneath the van because it was too hot in the van. So you'd sleep underneath the van? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be better to sleep out? Because it would shelter you, sort of? Yeah, Is like the... you, we could do tents, but tents, if you bought a tent, you couldn't buy like cigarettes and speed. Of course. So we would sleep underneath the van. I don't get tent van. money. Or also it would be like, look, dude, I fucking love you, but I don't want to hear you breathe. So yeah. you have the van tonight and I'll go underneath the van. It was elevated enough. Okay. But uh, yeah, I don't know, dude. I mean, I'm very grateful for my wife, but yeah. it's always grass is greener. Yeah, of course, you know? of course. Yeah, I just Before showered I was with domesticated. Yeah, so. Oh, you did. I did. Do you want to take here. a shower here? No, thank You're you. More I'm, than welcome. I'm, I'm, I'm staying with a friend in Denver tonight, so okay. I really appreciate that. But yeah. I will be able to shower there. Okay. Um, but yeah, so, we moved up here during pandemic, and she she matched into Fort Collins, which was her third preferred program, my second preferred program. <laughs> so it worked out. <laughs> 
Wait, do you have? You don't have any actual say, right? Uh, well, my wife and I, like, she's she's a great woman. We compromised. Uh, her number one choice was the Mayo Clinic in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Whoa! And that was my. And Eau Claire has got some comedy. It right? does. It has the Clearwater comedy. Yeah. They have one show a week. <laughs> God bless them. One of the best shows in the country. I recorded one of my nights of my special there. I I've love heard those guys. Yeah. Wait, do you record a special? Side note? I did, yeah, right before. Where, okay, is it, so it's not out yet? No, it's still in the process of being edited okay. somehow. Someone's somehow editing. it's not done yet. <laughs> I don't know what, what happened. What do you, don't have the time? I'm sorry, editor. You don't have, sorry, you don't have any. Yeah, I'm sorry you have to do so many What's door dashes. Yeah. <laughs> sorry Grubhub is so lucrative instead of the 40K you got paid. I don't know, maybe. Maybe get to work on 40K? that. 40K? Yeah, to edit the... Because it was... Uh, we did 13 shows. So it was like a very massive undertaking. Wow. Yeah. Is someone paying yeah, for that? Yeah, Big Top Studios. Okay, congratulations. Jim Hickox, who I've known forever. But he put up 100K after JFL. Awesome. Yeah, it was great. I mean, oh, that's I'm great. I'm very proud of it. I just like want it to be done before there's competition. What? Before... Wait. Oh, before... Oh, right. Because no one's out. doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Like, this is the best time. Because the last show we did was March 17th. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. And then... Would America you be able down. to sell it to... Is it going out on Big Top? Or would you be able to sell no. it to somebody? Uh, so, Big Top's the production company. Okay. And then they'll fence it for us. Ooh. So, like, once it's done, they'll sell it to, like, you know, Comedy Dynamics or one of those big clearing yeah. houses. That could be great. Yeah. Because, I mean, right. Because it's like a... It's a buyer's... Mar- or seller's market, right? Correct. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got like the last, you know, it's like they're not making any more comedy. It's like I've they're not making any more land. I've never been in a better position. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the chips are all in your... T- I was going to ask you too, because I was like, I was like, you put out a book before, a novel before you put out like a, even, there's not even an album on Spotify or anything. I'm in a live act, man. Yeah. Honestly, I don't want to sound arty or whatever, but like, I've never found the appeal of uh, putting anything out where unless people are in the room. Okay. I always liked the idea of uh, me being like Grateful Dead where people would make bootlegs like of like fish or oyster head like people would make bootlegs of my shit and they'd be like i got the cincinnati show and then they like put that online they go did he do that fucking riff about this and exactly. oh yeah he did and they, he went he went long on it too yeah. yeah yeah but like putting out my shit when I, you can't see the funny faces i'm making like a special makes right? sense but yeah i want to do the special the way i always wanted to do it which is my 13 favorite shows in the country and Jim was like, do whatever you want. Jim's rich as hell. That's amazing. You know? Yeah, he's like insta- he's generationally wealthy and generous and smart. He did Billy Wayne Davis's special. Cool. That's the kind of that's the kind of person you want to be friends with is someone who's generationally wealthy but cool. And also and a gifted guilty. comedian in his own right. Really? I mean, nice. he, he's been nominated for an Andy Kaufman special award twice, I think. Great. Oh, my God. Yeah, and then he moved to L.A. and pivoted into the production space. Good. I keep saying pivot. I'm sorry. I just, I'm rereading All the Pretty Horses and... My uh, my vernacular is. I uh, loved all the pretty horses. Oh, it's my. Fa- it's. I mean, it's not my favorite Cormac book, but it's the one that I'll reread over and over again. It's it's gentler than the most McCarthy. Yeah, and it has. It's just. Uh, it's a love story about uh, yeah, boys. You know, young men yes. falling in love and the strength of uh, that friendship you have and how it can carry you across borders. And, yeah. You know, into prison and in shit. a Mexican prison. Yeah, excellent book. What's your favorite McCarthy? Blood Meridian, I think, is the yeah. best book ever written in the English language. Wow. Well, I mean, what's a better book? Well, I think not. I don't. I. I, I wouldn't bring a book up at this point. I, I yeah. don't think. Yeah. I mean, what do you? People could say Moby Dick, but that's so funny. The language is so archaic; it's hard to read. That's so funny because I was trying to explain to somebody like what like your deal is. Like, cause I'm interviewing you, and I was like, 
he's got the he's a comedian very well regarded comedian like i heard about you in chicago mm -hmm. um and you came through chicago and all that stuff and uh then you have this like you have this <clears throat> riffy ribald uh podcast chubby behemoth yeah i've been listening to that a little bit and i was like it's just like i was like imagine like one of the come town guys wrote blood meridian how would you feel <laughs> oh man that's very, that's the book i picked that's very very kind isn't that funny but yeah. like it's hopefully uh, mullen <laughs> yeah don't make me stop <laughs> just cackling imagine nick mullen <laughs> thank yeah, you yeah, yeah. <laughs> they do bring different energies yeah they definitely bring different energies Mullen's to that genius he's he's, he's, he's wild up a genius and he yeah when he, he goes off yeah you can see when you see his brain working i went to the live show and that and everyone loved just him and stuff riffing up top and then mm -hmm. they 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 could take a leave the comedy that followed right. the, the rehearsed bits that followed but uh like yeah seeing them think up that shit and riff in real time was amazing and i'm not one of those guys that like says genius about everyone but nick know? mullen but nick mullen's like literally a genius that's great i mean if you listen to come town the the way the ability for him to be so anti-intellectual while also being notably <laughs> smart and like have so such a sweeping knowledge base dude like it's amazing how how dumb he can come off like there's a genius in that you know yeah and yeah. like and he they put their he puts it like their finger on he's like he's this is this kind of guy who like and he'll name four details and you're like oh my god that's that guy like he, yeah he put he pull he's able to pull shit i love um, in come town how afraid they are to like know the name of something like they'll be like oh yeah like uh yeah i had a dollar bill the other day what's the it's like what's who was on the dollar bill like george <laughs> George Wagner <laughs> and it's like dude Friedland just say the name of the director dude oh they just want to be yeah, <laughs> they, they don't want anyone to know dumb. they're smart exactly but Nick like grew up online he's yeah. the most online person yeah. in the world this isn't a we're not breaking down come town on this pod, let's not yeah <laughs> let's move on to, yeah. to your to your disgusting riffy podcast <laughs> but no thank you about uh yeah no I I do I love literature I love reading yeah. I've always loved reading yeah but, uh, and I, you put the veneer of dumb of dumb comedian guy over that love of reading. Yeah, for sure. It seems to be. I don't to want get, anyone to think I'm smart. To get by, yeah, to get by in this world. Well, yeah. it's just if people think you're smart, then they expect a lot of you. Yeah. And they like, I'd rather much, I'd much rather be underestimated than overestimated. And then you, know? yeah, and then you rise to the occasion, and you can pleasantly surprise somebody. Oh yeah, um, for sure. With a with like a with a Cormac McCarthy reference or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So okay, the book is out. Uh, and I don't know because as a guy who you're putting a special out but you put a novel out first essentially that is the that's what you put out before you put out your special mm -hmm. so now you're a novelist slash comedian and I think it's interesting to ask you this because I know uh, Billy Ray Schaefer the main character in your novel Running the Light which is available at samtalent.com yeah unless you live abroad just go to Amazon unless you live in Estonia <laughs> save yourself 45 bucks <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't I don't hate you for it that's very nice but if you're in the United States don't buy it from Amazon just buy it from Sam Talent who will more sign dollars. it and you'll sign it yeah yeah and that means a lot thanks uh yeah yeah it means seven extra bucks in my pocket <laughs> that's what it means that's what it means yeah um but the the main character billy ray schaefer he's a he's kind of he's obsessed with being a comedian and with his identity is wrapped up in him doing comedy um, it's all he has left you're right it, can, yeah. it keeps it keeps coming up like that you like well I'm, i i can crush like it's like he everything else falls apart mm -hmm. and he, it's all he has so um as a person who is who wrote a book and does stand up how do you do, how do you identify yourself? How do you how do you face that identity question? I don't know, man. I I was defined by being a comedian my entire adult life, and I don't. I'm so self aware about trying to sound like uh, 
I don't know. I just, I can hear like Chris Higgins and listening to this <laughs> and being like, <laughs> you know, but uh, I love Chris Higgins. I just saw him last week. I adore Chris and, uh, you know, Alex Dragon, uh, fucking Alex Dragovich. My God. I love him, man. The Serbian sensation. I love that they have that tweet in their house framed of that sports <laughs> oh, yeah. writer being like, I can't remember who he's, he's playing against. He's dissing some guy. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, I've seen that guy get crossed up by Alex Dragovich. Yeah, dude. He's like the... <laughs> Yeah, so that's that rules. Um, he he had his best game against at Notre Dame. He had his best game against Syracuse University, where I'm from. It devastated our whole family. We were number one. Really? We were number one, and Drago goes in and has the off the bench sixth man has the game of his life. He he sinks like seven threes. It's like the <laughs> peak of his career. So my brother comes to see me at a show, and Drago's in the show, and he goes, he's just like, how do I know that guy? And I go, oh, that's Alex Dragovich. <laughs> and then he goes over. And he's talking to, and they have like a thirty-minute conversation. But like most of it's like aggression. Like, yeah. what the fuck do you think you were doing? You weren't even on the scouting report. Dude. Right. You weren't even like you weren't even you weren't even starting five. Like, yeah. We didn't even know who you were. And we were number one, and in in the dome at home in yeah. Syracuse. And he came and he won the game for Notre Dame. That is the best. Isn't that funny? And now I, I do that. comedy with that guy, and we we talk bits. It's like it's so funny. Now, yeah. yeah now that's a guy who I. Um, he started at my open mic. He started doing comedy in Chicago at my open and mic. And it was the same session with him. I was sleeping in Higgins' bed. He wasn't there. But he, like, hid the key. And I was in the living room. And Alex came out and was like, hey, who are you? <laughs> I was like, I'm Sam. I'm in Higgins' room. And he's like, oh, hey, man. And then we just, like, sat down. Very nice guy. Very nice guy. But uh, I think that the best thing I should define myself as is, like, a husband or a son. You know what I mean? Is your wife here? Is that why you're My saying stuff My wife's not here. My wife's at work. She's doing another fucking 15-hour shift or whatever. so sweet. But that's, like, really what matters at the end of the day. Of course it is. You know? Like, I don't know, dude. Forever it was, like, I need to be a comedian and I need to fucking kill yeah. every night. And, like, it's very unhealthy, that pressure that you put on yourself. Um, but, like, I don't know, dude. If, if I had to choose one, I think I've already... I think I think people know I'm a good comic already, yeah, yeah. and I'm like respected uh, in most circles. I I really would love to go down as like one of the best novelists. So ever. if you had to, if it was like gun to your head, you had to pick one or the other right now. You did Sophie's Choice, these two careers, and I never would have thought that until during quarantine, where I'm not doing stand up. Yeah, uh, I've done like very few gigs, but like I didn't think I could ever do that. And then we got put on hold, and I don't know. Uh, if I had to choose one or the other, I think I'd much rather live like long-term survival. Being an author is much better than being a nightclub comic. Right. right. Um, I don't know. It's a really impossible question because if I couldn't do stand-up again, I'd lose my mind. You know what there I mean? There you go. So you wouldn't. Yeah. Okay. So you wouldn't. Uh, I never want to quit stand-up. There you go. Ever. I always want to be a comedian, but like writing, uh, is I don't know. People reading my book and saying that they loved it or it was like the first book they've ever read or, <laughs> you know, I got a lot of that, dude. <laughs> I got so much of that. Yeah. Or, you know, what's fun is uh, people I've never read a book before. These are pretty good. I like these. Things. Yeah. They're like, this is the best book I've ever read. And it, <laughs> the only other book I read was like uh, Don Rickles' biography. I read Hatchet in middle school. And yeah, then, uh, exactly. Gary Paulson, man. Nice. That book rules. Um but I got a, it's funny when people like haven't read a lot, you know, yeah. and they'll be like, I love they, your they're book, your man. friend or they know you from comedy and they go, I got to support. The, I should read this. It's about. Yeah. Comedy. And I don't think anyone thought it was going to be a literary masterpiece. Yes. But which it yeah, is what it is. Yeah. It's like, no, I want to I didn't I didn't butter your bread yet. But I want to tell you, like, I, I picked it up like I was like, I know Sam Talent's a great storyteller. I, I saw you perform a few times 
in uh, I said perform it anyway, and I uh, I was like, it'll be good stories about stand up. It'll be an interesting, compelling narrative about the thing that I love, and so yeah. I'm gonna be into it no matter what. I was picturing the language being more kind of sparse and Cormac McCarthy and kind of like like the these, these like these Heming. I don't know. I was like, he's probably like a Hemingway kind of guy. Like sure. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I was blown away by the language on that sentence and paragraph level. Like it's beautifully written prose, and Thanks, I, that man. was that really that really surprised me. And I just like, and it kept drawing me. In. I mean, I would have read the whole thing because I like, I love comedy, and this is like a thing that's happening in comedy right now. Is people are reading your book and and comparing it. Like Stanhope is obsessed with it. Yeah, you might be on fucking WTF with Mark Maron. Who knows? He Fingers just he crossed, just got man. it. Yeah, he just that would be about great. It. That yeah. would be great. Um, but I mean, like, uh, yeah, I thought it was going to be good stand-up stories and that would be enough, but like the prose is like fucking up there with the heavy hitters, dude. Yeah. I wouldn't have put it out unless it was like, you know, as good as I hope that it is, you know? Good. Well, yeah, Yeah. you did it and And you wrote it in 18 months. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. I was in Vegas when I wrote it. Okay. And, uh, it might've even, cause I wrote like around a hundred thousand words of a different thing. And then a hundred thousand words of a different thing. So I wrote like one thing and there was probably like 50,000 words. And then that kind of like ended up turning into this different things. And then I was writing short stories too. So I probably pumped out like 130, 150,000 words of just different long form fiction. And then the first chapter of running the light was just a segment of the third thing I was working on. Okay. And then I was like, damn, I, I can write this guy a lot easier. So he was going to be like, what, one guy of many characters? So I characters? was like writing this like thing about like this kind of disillusioned, like it was very heavy Jesus son type shit. Okay. And his dad was a road Dennis, dog. Dennis what, Johnson. Dennis Johnson. Who's, who also I've heard. And you've mentioned him in every interview you've done about he's, the book. He's, seven, he's the most yeah. important author to me. Uh, I got his first book, Angels, framed over there. Because <laughs> it's like, it's a, it's a work of art, you know? Um, but it's not the, not the best book. Uh, written English. I think it's my favorite book. Okay. But Blood Meridian is the best book. (laughs) You know what I mean? Sure. Like, uh, yeah, it's, I think Blood Meridian is, it's as good as a book can be. Whereas Angels is the thing that me as an author and a reader, I was like, fuck, this is it. Like, you know, that was Bob Dylan to me to fucking quote the Minutemen. Um, so yeah, what the fuck was I talking about? I'm sorry. I'm you so were writing rambling. it. Oh, yeah, the process of the book. Oh yeah. So, you so I th- this guy, this kid, his dad was Billy Ray Schaefer. So oh, gotcha. So yeah, I yeah. was like writing that first chapter character. about Billy, about this other guy's dad was Billy Ray. It was supposed to be Jeremiah, and then it just ended up becoming Running the Light. So the the main character of the other book was jeremiah yeah who's okay. who's the son of billy ray Schaefer. and we got very little jeremiah in the book yeah we got one night with jeremiah and then you don't get a night with the uh the other son at all right because well, he, uh, he doesn't like billy ray very much no of course not rightfully so he's a real piece <laughs> of work this guy but yeah, yeah i think it was it might have been less than 18 months is what i'm trying to say well i heard yeah that's a, i'm pulling a quote from some podcast. no i've said that a lot and yeah. then <laughs> my wife the other day was like it wasn't 18 months he wrote that thing in like my second year of med school because I remember I told her, I was like, I think I figured out what I'm doing. And then I finished it. And she, I told her, I like had like a big like, Emmy, we're fucking going to Buffalo Wild Wings. I finished the book, <laughs> you know? And yeah, uh, yeah so probably it might have been a year, dude. And also I was on the road. But also I write, the way I wrote that book and the way I write everything is in front of the computer for eight hours a day. You like, don't leave the computer for eight hours? So I'll write for like four hours. I'll like have, I'll make walk Gordy. That's the big part of the day for me. Walk the dog. Uh, 
make coffee, read a little bit, finish up any like housekeeping shit I have to do. And then I would write from like two to six and Emily would get home at six, have dinner, uh, chill with her until she's done. And then probably around 10 to two every night, uh, I was writing two to six, then 10 to two. Cause my brain's better at night. Cause of up, right. I've like trained my brain yeah. to be the best in its peak form. Like around the hours of like seven o'clock. So. so after the show then, or what? Would you be doing a mic or a show? I mean, it was Vegas, man. So I did very little shows. In so yeah, town. okay. That's all because uh, this podcast is kind of about geographic locations just by nature yeah. of the way I'm doing it. So you're in Fort Collins now because of your wife and you were in Las Vegas because of your wife as well. Yeah, her first two years of med school were in Vegas uh, and then she transferred back home. My mom had a stroke on election day after Trump was elected. On the day? Right after they announced Fuck. Trump. Jesus. Yeah, after they said Trump won, she dropped. Uh, was so it related, or are you just saying that for convenience? No, effect? it was 100% related. Wow. My mom's like, we were like very much a matriarchy. My dad was a goofball. He could have been a comic if he could have been a comic back then. My mom, God bless her, she kept the family like afloat. And then she was all in for Hillary, like campaigned for Hillary, like very like party line Democrat type shit. And then Trump was announced, and she just like her brain broke. And she oh, dropped. my God. And then... So that night she drops. The next day I'm flying to Denver to film Roast Battle, the episode of Roast Battle I did in town. My dad calls me super early and he's like, hey, you coming to town still? And I'm like, yeah, I'm on TV for the first time ever. Like, <laughs> I think I'm going to make it, dad. And he's like, all right, cool, cool. Uh, your mom had a stroke. So just come to the hospital. How I, humbling and like reminding you of what's actually important, right? For sure. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Family first, you know. But uh, yeah, so I lived in Vegas for those two years and then we came home. So, but you were traveling a lot from Vegas and what I'm sure you were doing your, your yeah. touring. It was normal times. Yeah. Pre -career. For sure. I was gone like, you know, 40, 45 weekends a year during that time. That's good. Well, you can see, yeah, you're still, you're still working. Yeah. I was working a bunch in Vegas cause I couldn't get up in town. So I worked even more. You couldn't get up in town. I mean, I could get up in town, but Vegas sucks. dude. Okay. Like there's good comics there. Like I don't want to shit on Jocelyn Sharp and like Gooch and Markman and, uh, the kids doing stuff at the dive bar, but. As far as like doing comedy, like I headlined on the strip. I came in and I got a headline on the strip at Planet Hollywood. Okay. And I was like the first what, guy. The, what Planet Hollywood? The restaurant? Planet Hollywood, the casino. Okay. On the strip. Um, they had uh, comedy and dolls. It was like a cabaret <laughs> show. So I would host. It was fucked, dude. <laughs> and it was like my gig for a minute, you know? What, every week you'd host a comedy and every dolls? Night? Every night? Yeah, it was like Monday through the whole week. Shit, the showbiz city. And then, like, if you're going to comedy and dolls, you're not going to see Carrot Top or George Wallace. Yeah. Like, you got given com like tickets to go see a comedy show, Big C Comedy. Yeah. And if you're coming The in, dolls are women? Sorry. The what dolls were women, okay. yeah. Cabaret? So they had, uh, they had Tana the Tattooed Lady, who was really cool, who would come out and, like, do a burlesque thing. Sure. She was covered head to toe in tattoos. Very nice woman. And then they had this lady who could shoot a bow and arrow with her feet who was also scantily clad. So I would come out, do 10, bring on a couple comics, bring on Tana, and then later on come out and do time and then bring on the bow and arrow lady, <laughs> whose name I never got because she didn't like want to talk to me. Uh, God bless her. So I came in like dick swinging. People were stoked. You know, a lot of comics said like, it's like we got the lottery pick in the draft. Like it nice. feels like, cause I, we didn't know, I didn't know where I was going for yeah. med school. And a lot of comics were like super stoked. I was in Vegas and I like got there and it's just, those crowds don't want to see creative comedy. Yeah, man. They don't want to see like, uh, you know, comics taking a chance. They yeah. definitely want to see like my wife's pussy is sweaty jokes, yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff, you know? So 
Yeah, but you I, work a room. You 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 like a room full of drunks. When I, I was just gonna say, I saw you in Kansas, uh, not Kansas City, but Lawrence, Kansas, at at, a, at the weird comedy festival five years ago, Riptide Comedy. Yeah, festival. Harpoon Fest or yeah. No, no Riptide. Riptide. It was yeah. like a yeah. Um, it was a fest. I was there. It was Peter a fest. Lyrene. Put sure. On, right. Okay. I, I, yeah. A guy brought me, and they didn't even know I was coming. It was uh, yeah. it was like I just started comedy, and but you were work. I saw you work a, a huge bar room full of drunks yeah that weird arcade bar right yeah something yeah. some Jackpot, weird uh, i think look at you this is five years ago i mean i've been back you know yeah. <laughs> i've yeah. been back to that spot <laughs> dude yeah they're very nice to me but that that kind of magic the sam talent magic in the room that must have helped the, these crowds but you didn't, you didn't feel satisfied i i didn't i would <sighs> doing that comedy every night of the week makes you worse at comedy yeah, yeah. doing the fucking very low skill level very vulgar very basic non-creative comedy yeah. like i really wanted to do my thing yeah and it's bad practice it's practice very wrong yeah muscles. you practice yeah. how you play you yeah. know or you play how you practice and so i was like trying to like maintain some artistic credibility or whatever yeah. and just kept losing dude <laughs> just kept losing <laughs> worst bombs of my life happened in vegas man for two years but I didn't, I mean, I was on the road a lot, so I'm yeah, trying to say. more and more. So I'd be gone, like, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, come home, home for four days. Wife is never home, and when she is home, she's, like, just totally swamped and yeah. buried in schoolwork. It she was just, just wants it a was back a, rub. Yeah. No, she couldn't have a back rub because she had to do <laughs> flashcards for four hours. It was med school, dog. I mean, you went through Damn. it. It's incredibly rough. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And the, the first one. two years when you're not in the hospital, like, when you're not learning by doing, and you're just, like, learning about fucking all the different strains of streptococcus you're just a test taker you're memorizing yeah. bones correct dude. yeah yeah so it was just, it was a very lonely time man yeah it does which suck. is cool because the book came out of it i was dating like her when she was studying for boards and it really worked out for oh, me because she was studying because yeah. she would study from like noon to 10 p.m and then at 10 p.m we'd i'd be done with comedy she'd be done with that and like let's get a, let's get a glass of wine and until two in the morning and then sleep in and then you'll study at noon and i'll do my thing at noon yeah she never got that time off to do that. Yeah, she just I'm went so the four sorry. years through. You yeah, know? there you go. Privilege. But, uh, no, I mean it's or a lot. I any hey med school super hard. However, you got to get through it. Med school, it. man. Yeah. yeah, it's a nightmare. Um. Okay. The process. Yeah. Uh. I'm so curious about the process of eight hours a day. How many word is a word count thing, or is it just working working until you're done? Because wh- aren't you just sitting in front of a laptop? Sitting in front of staring? a laptop at my kitchen table. Back then, I was still smoking weed and uh cigarettes so it was like just weed all day fucking coffee all day uh it's just punctuated by cigarettes yeah you know when i hit a wall i'd go outside and fucking blast a smoke which um, is what i mean like which unfortunately does work i mean like, like nicotine's kind of a stimulant nicotine, yeah, yeah it's good for your brain bad for your body yeah uh but yeah so i'm not like prolific but i am a hard worker yeah you okay. know what i mean yeah like i'm a lot better at like doing the like even in stand-up like i have to write on stage and that means i have to do five fucking shows at go bananas that weekend and by the end of it i have a new five minutes right as opposed to going up there with some semblance of a fucking plan (laughs) instead of just literally throwing spaghetti at the wall every time uh i definitely know the right way to do it the wrong way if that makes sense the right way to do it the wrong way you think writing on stage is the wrong way to do it i mean i'm envious of the people who can sit down fill up a notebook go on stage with ideas that they have some idea are funny right as opposed to me just going up there with the line fudge judge in my hand <laughs> and trying to fucking which does rhyme it does rhyme it yeah rhymes. thank well thank that's that's yeah. the key yeah you know 
But going up there with like this one pearl and then having to build the oyster and the shell and the <laughs> plate to deliver this one pearl. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I sat in front of the computer. I would try and hit a thousand words a day. Um, but if I could do more, I could do more. And yeah. The first two hours every day were pretty much me like going over what I wrote the night before because okay. I didn't have an outline or a plan for this. It just yep. kind of like it made sense. All the stuff he did, I guess, is the best way to put it. And like kind of like when I'm on stage, me figuring out what's happening along with either the crowd or the character made it more of an organic thing. So yeah. I think the book makes sense. Like, oh, it does make sense that he would do that. The book makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so like in this instance, given these circumstances, he would probably do this thing. Well, it takes and place, I was right yeah. there with him like, oh yeah, of course he would fucking drink Listerine. It's very present. It's oh, very present thanks, book. It's like, uh, it just, I mean, it takes place over the course of a week, and each day is just the day. It, like, the chapters are all days in the week. Which makes it very readable. Yes, it is. It kind of yeah. feels hacky, honestly. <laughs> I did that, you know? But... One week in the life of a... Yeah, it's easy to pitch. And it's also the most, you know, it's the, the ultimate week in his life. You know, I don't want to give it away yes. or anything, but, you know, there's like a lot of very, very big things happen to yeah. him during this week. And uh, so, yeah, I would just be in front of the computer typing, revising the first. You're not supposed to reread what you wrote the day before, they all say. I've heard not. George Saunders says, says what, do you like George Saunders? I love oh, George, George Saunders. Saunders. He says that he starts every day by taking the temperature of what he wrote the day before and yeah. seeing if it's, am I there or am I, do I need to shift it? He, he'll he edit the day before, the day before his writing before he does the That's what I did. Thing. I love there George you go, Saunders. You're in good, good, good All right, company. cool, good. Syracuse, Syracuse University yeah. professor. Yeah, dude, I know. Um, God, fucking Civil War land, dude. I didn't know books could yeah. be funny. Yeah, dude. I always thought funny books had to be like hokey or stupid. Yeah. And then I read George Saunders, and I was like, "Oh my god!" The the I uh that that story there's a story Sea Oak where um uh there's like that's like a it's like about a male stripper and his his mom comes back to life and she's like, "You gotta show dick. Yeah. You just gotta show dick. Yeah, you gotta if you're show gonna, if, you're gonna, if you're gonna make money, you gotta be showing dick." And I'm like, "This is such a fucking crazy premise." Yeah. And he takes it all the way. But also, it's heartbreaking. Like that guy's yeah. able to be really funny, and then. A line later, like really rip your heart out, because he never is incredibly sells it. Hard to do. He doesn't sell out the character for comedy. He no. does like a. It's like really well written TV where it's like sometimes the jokes in good TV are because that character would so say that kind of thing, mm -hmm. as opposed to like, you know, just like you know, like right. uh, breaking the tension with something something silly and it's stupid. It's like in when I learned improv, it's all about the relationships in the scene. And then you can, like, be funny if the relationships are important. Yeah. And, like, that's how Saunders is to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can feel it's so emotional. It's so emotionally real. But, yeah, being there in front of the computer, like, Tom Waits is always, like, you have to be in front of the piano if you want to do anything. Yeah. Because, like, the song's out. The muse is out there. You just got to, like, fight the muse. Oh, yeah. And the muse will never, like, sit on your face unless you're, like, in front <laughs> of the instrument, you know? Um, so, yeah, just edit for, like, two hours and then – or until it was done and then just try and – hack it out nice you know? five days a week seven days a week any day i was home any day you were home and not yeah. on the road yeah mm -hmm. never rode on the road did you read uh like the war of art or on writing or any of these like uh go get them tiger writing books i'm highly uneducated when it comes to writing and in general when it, when it comes to books like contemporary fiction pretty smart i'm yeah. pretty good at jeopardy too <laughs> and i don't know i think it's just because i absorbed a lot being the first generation online um and always wanted to show off when I would play fucking 
you know, trivial pursuit with my parents. I love, yeah. They, well, the thing is, they pick questions on Jeopardy where it's like, if you've heard of Egypt, you probably know the pharaoh that we're going to ask you. It's about. either Alexandria or Cairo. Exactly. All right. So, yes. also, I just read a great book on Egypt: uh, "Beer in the Snooker Hall." Beer in the Snooker Hall, which is fucking awesome. Uh, anyway, but uh, what the fuck? Was Egypt. Um, oh yeah. So I, I read on writing by Stephen King. Yeah. Just because I heard it was a good book. It was. It is it's a good, a good book. book. And he halfway through, he's like, you know, the writing thing is whatever. Here's what how it happened when I got hit by a van. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, here's how I, my drug addiction uh, panned out. But also, I think if you're like, if you like the War of Art or whatever, or all those books people read, it's like, if this person could write a book, they would have written a book. Yeah. Instead of a book on how to write. I think that know? guy wrote. Um, probably. Oh, no. He's probably like Don DeLillo wrote it or something. No, no. <laughs> he no, probably no, wrote no, White no, Noise. No, no, no. <laughs> I was just thinking the the screenwriting book that I loved was. I was like, what, what movie did this guy wrote? And it's Blank Check. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that kid fuck! Movie. Really? Yeah. That kid uh, lives in Boulder. The kid who played the, the Blank, blank Check kid, kid lives in Boulder, <laughs> and we were like the same age. And he would just be terrorizing frat parties when I was like, when he was in college. Oh man, what a curse! He was be, a blank check kid to be that guy. That's yeah. it. He didn't yeah. like have a big career after right. that. It's like a, if Macaulay Culkin only had Home Alone and then yeah. got released into the wild, right? He'd have the same. So he'd just be up there guy. like finger banging and spitting on coeds <laughs> and like pouring Patron over people's eyes. It's a curse, man. Yeah, I mean, it's like his parents shouldn't have let him do that, no. or they should have given him better guidance while he did or something. Yeah, don't turn know. out your kids. Don't do. Yeah, don't, <laughs> yeah. Don't turn a trick on your kids. But no, I haven't. I didn't. I didn't like major in writing or anything either. Just read a lot. Reading was always really important to me and my family. It worked out for sure. Yeah. Um, your dad did the edits. My dad edited. It. Yeah, my dad was the guy. Who, like Geek Love, I'm rereading for this book club, and Geek Love and uh, which you've also mentioned and you also mentioned in interviews. As really a, important. Yeah. So it's funny that I'm reading it again. It's about like a family of fucking sideshow freaks. Catherine Dunn. Yeah. Uh, and like my dad gave me De- geek love he gave me like joe or in like father and son by larry brown because i like to read but he was like look man you don't like you know have to read catcher in the rye <laughs> like yeah. you can read this other cool although stuff it rules too. though you read catcher in the rye it rules of course when okay. i was a youth you know um but yeah so i don't have like a big education my dad did the edits uh my, my wife did a pass on the edits like my father-in-law did a pass on the edits uh but yeah, I mean, they're still... That's very vulnerable, though, isn't it? I mean, like, that process... I mean, your dad... I mean, like, first of all, if I'm writing a book, it's I'm writing it to impress my dad, basically. Yeah. So having him read it first and then tell me what's wrong with it would be a, uh, a very huge issue I wasn't for asking me. for any kind of input on the story. Okay. It was literally copy editing. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, it was like, yeah. okay, I don't... Should I use a comma here? And there's, like, every time, you know, I've gone through again, and then a kid, like, re- liked it a lot, and he gave me more edits, like, after it nice. was published. So there's been revisions throughout the process, and I think it's pretty close to being, like... But when it first came out, like, there was, you know, there were still fucking mistakes and stuff in there. And there, would you fix them? No. So after I was turned on to the fact that they were wrong, <laughs> I would then go back in and, like, ch- ma- edit the manuscript and then re-upload it to Amazon. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which and the, the the ones that are printed, those are, are those are mistakes. The first, I think, fifteen hundred have you know pornography is spelt wrong and uh, <laughs> come on, like, Dad, come yeah, on, you know I spell porno. My come dad on, loves porno. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't ask for them to give me any input on. So that was the discussion. What you had to lay that down. I didn't have to lay it down, but I was like, look, Dad, uh, I would love if you would edit this, but the book's good. Like I don't need you to tell me if it's good or bad. Okay. I believe in the book. Okay. And he was people. He loved my dad's my biggest fan. Him and my mom, like nice. they love what I do. So I was like, yeah. So just like, please 
go by line by line and tell me if anything's spelt wrong or it's is really confusing for me. ITS yeah, yeah. with an well, apostrophe or that's not. That's not possessive. That's what's so crazy. Yeah, I know. Because everywhere else is IT, IT apostrophe S. That's, or like apostrophe S is possessive. Right. Sam's book. It's uh, S-A-M apostrophe but S. But it's it is. It's a contraction of it is. Yeah. And, and once they did the contraction, they go, well, what the hell are we going to do for when it belongs to it? Mm-hmm. And they go, I don't know. We'll just do the other one. That's it's a, it's a regular. It's highly irregular. So that fucks with me. It's also funny in that. I don't know. I don't want to repeat myself if you've listened to interviews I've done, but like in the book, you can tell when I was reading Graham Greene because there's like a million colons. <laughs> I went on this colon spree where I was like doing sentences with like three colons in them because he does that a bunch. But no semicolons. Colons. I use a semicolon when it's appropriate. Yeah. And like I was really enamored with the idea of doing like uh, I like the I think it's called auto syndeton or auto syndication, which Cormac does. Where it's just and he uses and all the time okay. and he uses no commas. Okay. And I wanted to do like do no uh uh no uh quotation marks for the dialogue yeah. and shit. And then I read a story I did like that and I was like, God, this is pretentious. It's pretentious, right? For sure. You have I, to literally be the best writer in the world yeah, to pull to that distinguish, off. Distinguish <laughs> yeah. you have to know it's someone's voice. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I like I like quotation marks. I think it, I think it makes sense. Use um, the tools that are afforded. To yeah, you. right. You have yeah. these marks. Yeah, you can. You're trying to communicate something, so don't be, sure. don't be obtuse or yeah. uh, intentionally obscure your meaning. Purposely obtuse pisses me off. Yeah, because obtuse for the yeah for the sake of pretension. Yeah. Um, just looking affected is like my biggest fear. Uh-huh. Anyone thinking I'm pretentious <laughs> or uh, or like uh, doing something to look arty or something? Yeah. I just I loathe that in people. And I hate it in myself too. That's the comedian. In, that's the comedian in you. I think that's because artifice. I'm self-editing all the time. Yeah, artifice uh, is instantly uh, alienating to an audience and disgusting. This guy's not. Yeah. Wait, that's a really good way to put that. Yeah. Well done. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, this is a very good interview. I'm really enjoying myself. Thanks, man. I really enjoyed the book. I was really excited to talk to you. So usually um, they suck. Yeah. Well, I think in person. I think as you talked about. Um, the specials like in-person podcasting is like dead right now and so i'm gonna yeah. have I'm about to have I'm about to have coronavirus and the corner on the in-person podcasting market although I, I tested i tested negative very rare very recently i'm glad to hear that yeah because i'm in your home breathing, breathing my wife knew you. that you were this close to me without a mask i know i know you'd be dead but i tested posi- i tested negative rather what's negative yeah. and then uh, it was a, yeah negative and uh, then i was just in a hotel in a van until now okay so good no no worries yeah, man. you seem like the the image of health yeah, yeah. I like the no carbs, no cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, I have definitely done no carbs and no cigarettes uh, for a long time. But yeah. now it's the end of the world. Right. Live it up, man. So There'll be plenty of time not to eat carbs I'm in the death camps. Some, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have some pasta, man. Yeah. Um, you said in, in an interview that I heard, you said you don't believe in altruism. I don't think you do anything altruistically. I think even if you're doing it. Well, you don't know me very well. I don't in the no, least. Oh, no, yeah. No, go on, go on, go on. No, I just think, I mean, even if you're doing it because you think it's the right thing to do, that's still, like, you're, like, morally on the, have the high ground. You're getting your jollies off of the, I did a good deed. Yeah, exactly. But those jollies, I mean, I take, I just, I took issue, I took, I took issue with that statement. Sure. It stuck out to me, because I was like, sure you do. I mean, like, well, just because you feel good, because you, right, so I guess you're saying there's, there's, there's no true altruism. What we, what we call altruism is an exchange of deed for i get you know i, I give give an apple to a homeless guy yeah that is i'm i'm down one apple but i'm up some serious self-esteem points well i don't believe in karma either yeah you know which i think is very much tied to the idea of altruism but 
I mean, if you give someone an apple, you felt bad for them. And yeah. now you feel like you've bestowed an apple upon them. Yeah. And you've made their life better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, how can you be altruistic if you're still getting off on the idea of being altruistic? Of course. So, if you do it without enjoying it, if you're like, oh, fuck, here's a goddamn apple, you piece of shit. Yeah. Then that's altruistic? I don't know. No, I mean, that's not altruistic. But an anonymous donation, even an anonymous donation. You're still scratching your itch. Of you're scratching your damage. Because, like, during, uh, during fucking the Black Lives Matter shit, you know, yeah. I organize this this troll of steve mudflat mcgrew yeah. oh he's a he's a comedian right he's a comedian, comedian who you know i don't want to <laughs> say he's anti-semitic but i don't think that would be a lie if i said that okay i don't um, know i don't know i don't know anything about him so most important things to know about him he broke in half may or may not be a QAnon person which is fine like conspiracies are cool i don't care if you voted for trump like i don't think trump is cool because seems like white nationalists are pretty stoked about having this president, you know? Yeah, that's uh, a problem. Yeah, like, there's, like, it, politics are a fucking charade, as everyone knows. Or a charade, depending on Whoa. your pronunciation, yeah. you know? Uh, which is not at all, like, that's not groundbreaking. But, <laughs> anyway, Mudflat McGrew, I've seen him get three standing ovations in one show. Very good comedian. Uh, he also says shit, like, I'm not trying to raise a, what's he say? I'm not trying to raise a gay boy. I'm trying to raise a man. Like, it's that kind of oh comedy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Which is, hey. Yeah. Look. I don't want to defend that kind of comedy. It's no. not my cup of tea. No. Uh, but he does kill, okay, to his people. And that's but anyway, sure. I organized this troll where I was like, hey, uh, Steve, Mud this one day only, Steve Mudflat McGrew is matching donations to Black Lives Matter. So if you send me a receipt, uh, I'm going to help Steve facilitate this thing. Okay. And people were like, wow, Mudflap's <laughs> turning his cheek. Like, this is really cool. And then my friend Alex, just Alex, put up 1500 bucks. I put up a 500 bucks. Fuck yeah. And we matched up to $2,000 worth of donations. <laughs> all right? And it was, like, really cool. But uh, my, I told my buddy Aaron Urist about it, who Mudflap was anti-Semitic to Urist, big fat Jew. Uh, uh -huh. Which he is. And that's not what Mudflap said. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's a Sam Talent quote. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's you a know? big fat Jew. But he, you know, he's my wedding party. I love him dearly. And I told Yuris that. And then Yuris started telling people, like, yeah, it was actually me and Sam. Yuris didn't put up a, a dime, you know. Oh, okay. Okay. But so it was a, who, who was the other guy? Some other guy. Alex just Alex, comic yeah. in Vegas, who's, like, rich. Uh, but anyway, I didn't want anyone to know I did that because I was worried that it would be performative. And people would think that I was virtue signaling. Right, okay. Which is fine. Do that. Like, that's fine. It's just right. not my I mean, cup of tea. If you're signaling virtue, at least something virtuous is happening. Be on the right side of history. Yeah. But I don't uh, understand the troll, though. So the troll, because Mudflap was not matching the donations. No. So all these people were hitting up Mudflap like, hey, man, thank you for coming out on the right side of history. <laughs> thank you for supporting Black Lives Matter. And then Mudflap was put in the position where he had to say, I don't support Black Lives Matter. That's a, okay. It's a chess He move. had I to see. say it out loud <laughs> because his base was furious that they saw all these screenshots oh, tagged okay. with him. Very good. Very so good. he had to be on his Facebook, be like, I don't support this shit. You know, wow. which was great. That was a win. You're forcing. It's a. They say it, that that's a, that's actually a very good. It's like you did a nonviolent protest against Mudflap. Is what you said. It's like the the key is uh, forcing your opponent to do publicly do the bad thing. Correct. Like you yeah. you lay your neck down and you force them to put their boot on your head. Correct. Um. So you got you got Mudflap. I got I flap attacked. <laughs> yeah. Flap uh, back. Exactly. We flap, flap back. back against racism. But anyway. 
Was there altruism in that, even though I didn't go public? No, because I was having fun online with my friends. Yeah, okay. I was getting off getting still. Getting your jollies? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. And even if I would have done it as an anonymous person yeah. is donating, I still know that I was the, the puppeteer behind you know, the whole thing. You go to bed a little more cozy that yeah. night, thinking I'm a, I'm a great little guy. I still yeah. tell my wife I did it, and she's like, you don't have that kind of money. What's the matter with you? <laughs> we don't have that kind of money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was in like, med school. It's like, bitch, I'm rich. It's coming up. Don't. <laughs> this book is a big success, baby. <laughs> I remember when I had to break it down how many copies I'd sold, and she was like, wait, how much do you make per copy? And I was like, this much money? And she was like, wait, what the fuck? And nice. I was like, yeah, like I'm do we're, we're fine, fuck baby. Yeah, dude. Don't worry, we're okay. Isn't that great? I feel like the, the nightmare of writing a book is like, no one's going to read it. I just wrote a book for no reason. Correct. And then I'm picturing like a box of books under your desk kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That like, oh, these are my fucking books. Yeah. So it's already, isn't that great? It already paid off? I was offered very little money through my lit agent. Yeah. Um, and we made a lot more money than we were off. Hell yeah. Yeah. And he wasn't involved. He didn't get his fucking beak wet at all. Perfect. Yeah. And what a great, what a great continuation of the Sam Talent sort of aesthetic, right? The DIY sort of thing. Yeah. Sam Talent has to make the best of a situation yet again. Yes. And once again, you're shrinking from the artifice that I'm putting on you of the Sam Talent aesthetic. No, I rule. I'm a fucking folk (laughs) hero. I'm fine with that. I'm the underground legend. Legendary. Legendary. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That was funny, man. One time I went back to like... I think it was Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I was like 28. I was I wasn't 30 yet, and they had the flyer said the underground legend returns. Wow! And they were like, "Do you like it?" And I was like, "Man, I'm fucking 28. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you? Th- don't put this on me." Part of me likes it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but also then it's like when people introduce you as the funniest comedian they've ever seen. It's like this guy better be fucking funny. And yeah. the crowd has the highest expectations. What a terrible intro. It's the worst. Yeah. Dude. I remember Seinfeld yelled at Louis C.K. about that because <laughs> Louis used to do that. Initially, he did it because he didn't know any better. Then later on, when he would open for Seinfeld, he would do it just to fuck over <laughs> Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah. That's very good stuff. Oh, for sure. It rules. Um, what is your personal relationship with cocaine? I don't do cocaine. You never did it? You did I've it. done cocaine. Yeah, me too. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll do cocaine three times a year. Okay. And yeah. it's like a bump. Yeah. You know, yeah. when I'm like in Miami yeah. or it's someone's <laughs> birthday. Sure. Yeah. Or the last time I did it, it's because they were, they were doing cocaine off a giant uh, sword. Oh, well, come on. Like, well, I got to be no? a part of this. I got to say no to that. Yeah, yeah, they had a novelty sized sword and they were of like, all the things. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, instead of doing it off of the changing station in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, like, I'll take a sword. <laughs> yeah, yeah give me enough. a sword. Uh, <laughs> this is so, less, so much less sad. Yeah, man, but I'm not a Coke guy. Uh, I mean, obviously, cocaine is uh, all up and down and over the book. Billy yeah. Gray Schaefer loves cocaine. He thinks about it all the time, almost mm-hmm. as much as booze. Yeah. Uh, and it's harder to get. So it's, he's always like got a drink in hand looking for some cocaine. Correct, yeah. Um, you can always get booze, but it's tough. Drinks are free. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm more of a – I think my demons are more with booze for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, you said you quit pot. Quit pot, Did you yeah. quit booze? No, you definitely quit? not. That's interesting. Yeah, well, I quit pot because I was having panic attacks. Oh, that's I okay. smoked pot like every day for oh, like you can't 13. Handle your shit. Yeah, so <laughs> like I, I was like it was my best friend. I was stoned from 2000. I mean, every day like hardcore stone, probably 2002 until March 17th of this year. Wow. Yeah, I was just like an eighth a day weed guy. Wow. Like getting paid in weed sometimes, <laughs> like because I was a better financial call, you know. Uh, yeah, spent 
So much eighth money a day, on weed. dude. Eighth a day. Easy an eighth a day. Sometimes more than that. That's so wild. And weed. it wasn't even weird to me. But you're burning. You're. I mean, like my first instinct is you're you're burning the weed wrong, Sam Talent. Right? You're rolling it up <laughs> and right. I mean, like I used to smoke when I smoked a lot. A lot. I smoked yeah. a decent amount. Now I smoked, I smoked a lot. I would smoke an eighth every two weeks. That's not a lot. I know, but it's you're I know. insane. But I, it's you? a bong. I know. I, mean, I'm, I was high every day. I mean, like, uh, so you're li- you're lighting up a hu- like a fucking Cheech and Chong stogie and letting it no, burn in your hand. It's more. I've been lucky that all I do is stand up for money. At yeah. least I did until recently. So every day was just me going over to Nathan Lund's house or me going over to Chris right. Sharpentier's house and just smoking weed all yeah. day, playing FIFA, smoking some people up. That's yeah, gotta exactly. go. Get, getting smoked yeah. up, going to the park, getting fucking super stoned, sure, reading. Sure. But yeah, just like having a bowl packed twenty four seven. Like walking around like this, like thumb covering up the bowl, <laughs> uh, the spigot of the pipe coming out constantly <laughs> fucking uh, you know. It was it was like a palsy that I had. Locked and loaded. Was, yeah, all the time. Ready to go. Weed in my pocket. Personality defined by weed. Yeah. You know? That's Chris that's Chris. Chris I just saw Chris Higgins roll up and join the party and he goes I like this stuff. I think I might make it my whole personality. Chris <laughs> <laughs> so Higgins' dad um, is going to give me a gold tooth, by the way. I uh, I don't understand any of that. <laughs> his dad's a dentist. Okay, that makes sense. It sponsors good. the Boulder Comedy Show, which okay. is probably the best show on a Sunday. In the, I mean, one his of the dad best. dad sponsors a comedy show in Boulder? Yeah, Higgins' dad rules. <laughs> Dr. Higgs, he's the best. Last oh, my time, God. I just talked to his girlfriend. His girlfriend, I go, who's your biggest crush? And she goes, probably Chris's dad. Yeah, easy. <laughs> easy for sure. Yeah, I remember I was on stage like two weeks ago doing the comeback of the Boulder Comedy Show, and I saw Dr. Higgins in the crowd, and I was like, that's Dr. Higgins. Round of applause for him. He's going to give me a gold tooth. Shout out to his two sons. Uh, I know that uh, hopefully he has another kid that's like retarded or something, because <laughs> he seems to be batting a 1,000 right now. Yeah, fun kids. Those are great kids. Yeah, for He's sure. He's giving you a gold tooth? Or was He's it? going to install a gold tooth, an incisor. Wow. Yeah. That's going to be great. It's going to be pretty sick. Why do you – so you it's, – it's right – is that fake? You want a gold one? No, this is a real tooth I have. I don't have any fake teeth. And he's going to take out until you get a gold one. He's going to shave it down and give me a gold tooth. Wow. Yeah. Did you, would you prefer that to a white one? Uh, I want a gold tooth, and I don't know why. Okay. Probably because I've read Pimp too many times. <laughs> but uh, I thought it was always to be a better move than a wedding ring, but to be the gold tooth. Because it's like permanent, you know? My wife was like, no way. And she was like, if you sell X amount of books, fine. Wow. And I did. And I was like, you blew getting it. The gold yeah, <laughs> getting this gold tooth. You picked the wrong line. Yeah, exactly. You you picked the under, and uh, yeah, that's a mistake. Overhit hard. Yeah. <laughs> Overhit in the first half, baby. We covered. <laughs> yeah, we covered hard. We covered. So, yeah, yeah uh, Daddy's getting a gold inside. You need to reassess your betting model, oh, baby. <laughs> I would never I would never do that. But yeah. Anyway, yeah, there you go. That's the difference between you and me. For sure. You wouldn't get a gold tooth? Not a, not a gold tooth kind of guy. Yeah, it's all right. Which you probably knew when you, when you walked in and you called me handsome, which I appreciate. I never assume. Yeah. But yeah, you're a strikingly handsome Thank person. Thank you very much. Yeah. I want to get that on because you said it off mic. I want to make sure I have it on. Yeah, so good I, call. I'll add it to my mixtape of different people. I think that's answer. why I'm enjoying this conversation so much because it literally feels like I'm on television. <laughs> like there's this yeah, like yeah. stunning jawbone across yeah. from me, and we're sitting in these chairs. Hey, these are so nice <laughs> right? chairs. I know, dude. It's crazy. I, I know you can make your own TV show now. It's great. I could, yeah. man. Yeah, if and I cared soon, about producing content at yeah, all. Yeah, and then soon you'll see me. I'll be hosting, uh, you know, a celebrity circle jerk or whatever. Yeah, you'll yeah. be on Access Hollywood. Yeah, it'll be. Yeah, it'll be. You'll you'll see the soul behind my eyes is entirely gone yeah man but they'll see also that swimming pool boom you know what i mean come on over anytime i'm all about selling out anytime i cannot wait to sell you out. are not all about selling no out. literally not trying to be cool 
I cannot wait to sell the film rights to this book. Boom. And if they make the shittiest movie ever, I don't care because I have a check. You're not gonna. You're not gonna. Uh, uh, not Steinbeck, the the author of Catcher in the Rye, who never sold the rights. Oh, uh, yeah. Not, not Holden Caulfield. Uh, no, it's the guy who wrote it. Yeah. He's a recluse. Uh-huh. He wrote Franny and Zoe. He wrote nine stories. He wrote nine stories. Um, eh, who cares what his name is? Oh, Look it up. Fuck. Fucking How insane assholes. is it that we've had this very pretentious literary yes, conversation? We're killing it, and yet he starts with an S. Salinger. Salinger. Yeah, J.D. Much. Salinger. Um, you're not going to Salinger it, where he refused to. Although it'd be, it would have been a great movie. Catch on the Ride would be a great movie. Maybe it wouldn't be. It would be one of those movies they made every 15 years. <laughs> they would update it, and like the one they make this time would have like uh, it would be like a black kid or oh, something. Yeah. Finally, you know. Sure. Yeah. Want to go racial? Yeah, let's talk about race. Well, you know what I mean. Like yeah, it's just like it'd no, be one of those movies that reflected what was going on. Like, uh, fuck, oh, what's that movie they make every twenty years? I don't know, but it would just be like a, a it would be a reflection held up to society. Ooh, a Chalamet Catcher on the Rye. Yeah, I'll oh, be there. Come on, I'll dude, be there on day. I'll be there on day one. Yeah. Ooh. Thank yes. you very. Thank you very much, Salinger. So the movie rights. Who's gonna play Billy Ray Schaefer? Uh, Perfect World. Um. What's his name? The guy that was in Step Brothers with Will Ferrell. John C. Riley. John C. Riley, I think, would be perfect. Ooh. He's the one I have in my head. Is he sloppy enough? I mean, like, I picture this is a fat slob of a man, Billy Ray Schaefer. Or is I he? Think, I think he bulks up a little bit for yeah. the role. Yeah, you got to um, have him do that. But, you know, he, I think he's also 6'2". Yeah, yeah. And well, he's an of, incredible actor, too. Oh, and he's also so funny. funny. Yeah, he's really funny. And also he has the chops. I mean... He's got chops for day. I didn't know. I know him from Step Brothers, and I was like, "What?" He's yeah. got such chops. Yeah, I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman would have been sick. The Dark Horse <laughs> one that I think could really like launch his career again uh, is Donald Logue. I don't know. Don- Wait, Donald Logue. Donald Hit Logue was in a. He was in a bunch of bad TV shows. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know what his most. He was in this movie called The Tao of Steve. No. Which uh, came out when I was probably 12. And it was about a fat guy who played disc golf and got laid too much. <laughs> and, like, he, like, smoked weed and, like, lived in, uh, I think, Santa Fe. And my family spent a lot of time in Taos and Santa Fe growing up. So this is, like, a very important movie for me. And I've always loved him. And he's, like, kind of a big hulking man. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So I think if you put some sideburns on him, some mutton chops. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some ill-fitting pants. I'm, I'm picturing bad dresser, Billy Ray Schaefer. You know what? I think all he really has are his shirts that he wears. They, they're hung up in the back seat. That's what a right. fucking detail. They're hung, yeah. He doesn't drive with them on. He gets to the show and puts mm-hmm. on the shirt. Because I think he's sweating killer. through those shirts. <laughs> and he wears Absolutely. like cowboy snap shirts. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like rock. I think that he definitely has a shirt budget. Are they like studded like the with the pattern on the front kind of thing? They're all the shirts I have up in my closet right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's this cowboy persona. They're it's the shirts, shirts my grandpa wore. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right, but unironically. Go over well with the go over well with the, the rubes. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you describe Billy Ray Schaefer as uh as uh the the, per, the what you don't want to become. Correct. That's yeah. what I fear becoming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is funny cuz you're talking about your long-term plan. You're like, "Well, I don't want to be like I don't want to be like a road comic long-term." And I was like, "Exactly. I know what that looks like cuz I read a fucking book called Running the Light." Yeah, dude. Yeah. Sad. Like I want my, I don't want to get divorced ever. Yeah. Like, I'm not one of these people that could just be like, yeah, yeah, shit happens. Like, there's yeah. no divorce in my family. No one's ever been divorced. I'm not going to be the first one. Wow. Is there yeah. some unhappy marriages? No. They all there rule. There you go. Yeah, I don't think so. My mom and dad have persevered through a lot of bullshit. Yeah. You know? And now they're 
you know, my mom had that stroke. My dad's been her caretaker for the last four years. I was going to say, oh my God, she, she, so she's, she's still, uh, like feeling the, the effects of that stroke. Yeah. I mean, she, uh, she can't like talk all the way yet. And luckily my wife got her on gabapentin, but she like her right side was like really fucked up and she couldn't feel anything. Yeah, I mean I'm it's sorry. fine. I mean she's they're old, dude. Uh, I'm so glad she's you, alive. Who it's you a vote, victory who you she's alive. For? Who you voted for, by the way? My <laughs> wife. My wife does all that. As a, I, I lived in the anarchist commune, dude. I don't think, uh, I don't believe in the democracy that we have in this country. Yeah, but my wife gets to vote twice. That's pretty sick. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, you want me to fucking get fired up for fucking Joe Biden? No, it's I impossible. Don't. It's not what I. What want. an honor it is to vote for Joe oh, Biden my God, of know. Delaware. Oh my God. The most corporate politician we may have ever had. Thank you. Thank who's you done much. so much to fucking suppress black people, to ruin oh inner God. cities. I mean, look, please don't vote for Trump. Trump's yeah. bad news. Uh, just because he fucking is down with the Klan. Not good. Like, I don't know anything and about his like, economic policy. He's dog whistling. He, he's like, all the time. He can't give up the Klan. Vote. No. It's, his, it's a base for he him. He wouldn't denounce his relationship with the Proud denou- Boys exactly. on a fucking live debate. I know. Look, man, that's not the country I want to live in. No, 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 no. No. So, like, look, I think they're all bogus and they all get paid off by the same people, but. As a comedian. Yeah. Do you think it'll be ah? Uh, this is the this is the old question about is Trump good for comedy? But I think like the culture under Trump has been a little bit unbearable. Um, uh, the culture that like us as liberal artists have to sort of adhere to, um, sort of like we have to, I don't know. There's an adherences we have to make as under Trump. It's like we're fighting him, and we all have to be on the same side, and we all have to be policing each other's language and stuff like that. Do you think the cultural shift if Biden wins? Uh, in comedy will be better i don't know i don't know man i appreciate you giving me like a you know a nuanced question but i really don't know there you go um i think that uh the culture wars that are going on right now um don't have anything to do with trump i think some people feel more uh their, res- their resolve has been steeled by the fact that they have a supervillain that they're like actively <laughs> fighting against but People not people looking at jokes as statements is yeah. just asinine. You're right. Like jokes are jokes, and that wouldn't go away under a Biden administration. No, and also like for instance, Shane Gillis. Shane Gillis was doing character on his podcast right. of a guy who was racist. Yeah, I don't think he should got locked up for that. Yeah, but locked Shane Gillis up. also said faggot a bunch on his podcast. Yeah, can't say that stuff. No, that hurts people's feelings. Right, people grew up in a world where they were called that and it fucking ruined them and hurt well, them. I grew up in a world where I was called that. Yeah, I, we, I do too, yeah, right? for sure. Yeah. But like, you are reading a book. At least get the guy for the crime he committed. Yeah. And Shane's a friend of mine, yeah. you know? Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just... I don't want to be one of these anti-cancel culture guys, and but I'm pro-joke. Yeah. I think jokes are what's important. I think comedy is amazing. I was just talking to somebody who's going through trauma therapy and they go, you know, I love John Mulaney and uh, my trauma therapist has me... Uh, picking out little comedy clips to to play after i discuss a trauma or something i was like oh my god of course yeah of course comedy is helping you with your trauma that's what comedy does and also i feel like uh i don't know it just seems like thought policing it sounds like very much through the look looking glass to get people for what you know is to be a joke and sure it might yeah. be a joke in bad taste yeah but you don't need to take a man's life away you yeah. know I think that uh, in Shane's situation where he's going to be on SNL, which is this fucking, you know, cultural hallmark in America, you can't have a guy who said that stuff the same time that you have Bo and Yang being on that show. Right. 
You know, Bo and Yang didn't hurt anyone. No. You know, and if you, I don't want to, Shane's not a martyr, but like he was guilty of his crimes. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but just get him for the right crime. Yeah. You know what I mean? And finally, someone's discussing PT culture on a podcast. I mean, yeah, thank, no, good, thank, thank God. God it's being yeah. covered. At least it's us. It, it, Two it, cisgendered men. It really ought to be. It really ought to be. Thank you for noticing, by the way. Of course. Yeah, it, really, yeah. it really ought to it's be. It's impossible us. not to. Every time. <laughs> cheekbones. I know the, the bone structure. Mm-hmm. Um, every time I listen to the like, Rogan or something like that, and they go, you know, jokes are jokes. I go, I'm going to skip ahead 25 minutes. I'm I not going to miss a, I'm not going to miss a mm-hmm. single thing. Um, but the, I do like, I really do like. As a comedian, I liked the hearing insane ideas from fucking madmen and crazy women. Yeah. Like, that was cool to be at the Lion's Lair in Denver on Monday and hear people say some shit that no one would ever say because <laughs> we all know better, you know? Like, we know what's right and wrong. And to hear someone who doesn't give a shit anymore get up there and just espouse these ideas, it's like, I'm glad I was, I'm yes. glad I got to experience that. Right, you get to have to, you get to, challenge, you get to cha- be challenged in that Yeah, way. I'm or not going to sign up for the, the guy's newsletter. No. You know, yeah. but you know, I who I didn't know that about Puerto Ricans. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, I I learned something new. Right. Um, I want to ask you about the uh, my favorite scene in the book was the Norm Macdonald scene. I think it was so amazingly written. Uh, I think the like the the impression that you do on paper of Norm Macdonald's speech was like really uh, spot on. It like made me laugh out loud. Like uh, uh, I remember there's a moment where. Uh, Billy Ray Schaefer's talking about he started comedy in prison and uh and Norm goes, That's not the only thing he learned in prison. Mm-hmm. He also learned male rape. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, That's a perfect Norm joke. So uh, how did you uh, I'm sure many comedians crossed your mind for that spot. No. No. No, so I mean it, and it wasn't always it's not like I had that circled on a map because again I didn't have an outline for the book. Right. But when he had to go to Denver, uh I knew I when I figured out that his weekend was canceled at wit's end, it was like, what's he going to do now? He's probably going to go to Comedy Works. Yeah. What's his relationship with Comedy Works? Let's figure that out. Who's at Comedy Works? Well, someone who can I can write. Your friend Nathan Lund. Lund and Kevin O'Brien. Kevin O'Brien, who I know in New York. Yeah. So cool to see that. Who was not happy about being in the book. Tell me everything about that. Oh, my God. Kevin was Kevin hit me up with a screenshot of the first time he appears in the book. And he's like, what's my cut of this? And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, do I get as much as Norm? And I was like, you get exactly as much as Norm does. <laughs> and he was like, is this what you think about me? Because I called him spoon-faced. I said he had soft hands. I said he was prematurely balding. Okay. Which in, when the, in, you know, in this book, I think he was 25 in my mind. He was all of those things. <laughs> for sure. Kevin, you weren't working a fucking plow, brother. You know? But also, me putting you in this book is the highest compliment yeah, I can right. give you. You right. know? Like... It made sense for you guys to be on that show. Well, I and thought I, it would be a thing where you're you're picking people who wouldn't mind. I'm surprised I that he minded. S- I didn't. It really rocked my world to find out that he was upset. How did it resolve? Uh, we didn't talk about it for three weeks. There you go. And then I was talking to his uh, now fiance, Mara Wiles, who me and Emily love Mara. I love great. Kevin too. Yeah. Uh, I love them <laughs> both. But Mara and I, uh, she's just she's one of my favorite women in the world. She's so sweet. She's the best. And I was I, we were talking about something stupid. And I was like, by the way, is Kevin still pissed? And she's like, oh, he wasn't mad about that. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, oh, good. Because okay. why, hadn't, why hadn't we spoken in three weeks? Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, but yeah, Lund also. I call Lund fucking porcine and corpulent. I call him <laughs> a big fat pig over and over again. <laughs> disheveled. Uh, you have Billy Ray Schaefer make fun of Lund and yeah, Kevin, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, I listened to. I think Norm's the, the best comedian. Uh, and is he I'm, your favorite comedian? He's my favorite comedian, and he is the best. 
because that's a distinction yes. he made before. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's like, he's both those things entwined. Um, good point. I don't know. I like a lot of. Uh, I really like that show. I think you should leave on Netflix. Me too, that? dude. It's that's so my favorite funny. thing this year. It's so funny, and if you yeah. don't think that's funny, I just don't think that you get it. I think it's like, I, I it's like a, I hate to be that guy who like that's like I would put it on for a potential girlfriend and be like, what do you think? And yeah. if she doesn't like it, I don't, I don't think it's very good. I yeah. was nervous. Girlfriends do tend to hate that though. I know all my friends' girlfriends are like, are you watching this crazy shit again? I'm sorry. One moment. No problem. Done, we've done plenty of time too. Oh yeah, no, I'm enjoying myself. Good. Um, let me just make sure this uh, okay, so we were talking about Norm being the best. What else? You want to hit a jewel? No, I'm cool. I got good for you. Good for you. I got the on CBD. Oduls. Oduls. I mean, I'll just go out and buy jewel pods if I were to start smoking them. You have. That's what's so fucking crazy is you have the jewel with a CBD pod. Well, I order these online. I'm sure they're not reputable, and I the probably pods? have diverticulitis or something. Yeah, well, that's what's crazy is the knockoff. That's what's so scary is the knockoff pods yeah. are the ones that are bad. I don't know. They're all probably bad. Whatever. I don't think there's any wins in this game long term. No, there's nicotine Hopefully lozenges is the move. It is, do you allegedly. Like, do you, I love a lozenge. Okay, well, good. Maybe I'll switch to lozenges. Try it. It's crazy. I mean, I'm not, like, shaking hands anymore for cigarettes. but like, Oh, gotcha, yeah. yeah. I'm not, like, you know, ugh. I just think it's a great stimulant. I think it's like I you do, have your coffee, you have your nicotine, I do you're too. flying. Yeah, I think when I get really hard into the next book, I'm going to have a hard time not smoking. But There's pouches that aren't uh, tobacco pouches. The snooze pouches? There's snooze. That's tobacco, I believe, uh, but spit-free. But there's ones that are just kind of like the powdered nicotine as a pouch. I actually prefer the lozenge. Yeah. And you could get... You get fucking ripped. Like you get like nicotine ripped. My brother smokes Juul all day, and he ran out of battery on the golf course, and I gave him a lozenge, and he's like, "This is what you're doing all the time." Jeez, yeah. I'm about to throw up. And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, that's what gives me my fucking spark." I remember chewing Red Man and just how fucked up it would get. That's like the leaves, right? Yeah, it's the un unrefined. But it's also no fiber class. You know, in in fucking know. if you buy like Skull. I learned that, and I go, "What? How are we? How are we selling this to people?" I know. In high school and in during uh, football and wrestling, I wouldn't smoke cigarettes because I had <clears throat> they would they put me in a coach's class at the beginning of the day every day to see if I smelled like cigs. That's good. Wow. Really smart. So I would be chewing all the time. This is a small school because yeah. it really had a handle on you. Oh, incredibly small. Yeah, yeah. And I was also like the biggest man on campus. Like, was it? <laughs> You were the biggest man on campus. Literally and figuratively, yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they I mean, they couldn't, like, jeopardize having to, uh, uh, what's the term? I don't want to say prosecute. They didn't want to have to punish me. Right. Because then I couldn't play. Give the consequences to get take you out of the game. And right. You, didn't you sign, you, did you sign some non-smoking thing? I had to sign some thing. I wouldn't oh, drink beers. drinking all yeah. that stuff. And then I got busted drinking my senior year, and it yeah. was like, end of the world i had to go <laughs> talk to my fucking grandpa about it like that was my punishment i had to sit out a game damn and it was like 
luckily it was against Jefferson. But I mean, football was like a really big deal. What, what positions did you play? I was a I was a right tackle for a left-handed quarterback, so I was a blindside tackle. All state, very good at football. Nice. Um, oh, yeah, you could have gone to Dartmouth. Could have gone to Dartmouth. Did man. you play at the school? No, it was a commuter school. You didn't play at the school. I you did went not. To. No, but man, I wish I could. I can I can hear the regret in your voice when you talk about your college days. How old are you? I'm 33. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't regret because I never would have done stand-up if I went off there. There you go. Yeah. But there is just like uh, my friend Mishka Shubali, he teaches at Yale every like year. That's awesome. He teaches like a semester at Yale on creative writing. And like, you know, Mishka will get offers for shit to do like really lucrative like ghost writing or whatever. Yeah. And I'm never jealous about any of it. But I am incredibly jealous that they were like, yeah, why don't you come to Yale? Then I forgot that he like went to Columbia or NYU or something. There you go. Yeah. Well, it's it's a it's a it's a fucking country club. It's a system of country clubs. For sure. Yeah. Did you go to college? Yeah, I got a master's in education. I went to a small Catholic liberal arts school, and then I got a master's in education at Colgate University, which was is kind of like a Colgate's very good, like a mini Ivy. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, their graduate program is between you and me and the podcast listeners, uh, trash. It's uh. It's cobbled together from undergrad classes. Yeah. So it was a really good kind of grift. And it was very cheap. It was a good grift to get a master's. And now I'll, I'll be drunk like, you know, I have, a, I have a fucking master's degree. I don't know why I'm fucking doing here. <laughs> uh, and then I t- oh, my friends who know me for a long time, they don't even know. I have, I have one. I dr- love dropping it on them. Yeah. And they go, whoa, you don't even mention it. Um, that's I, that's I, what it, what it's such a for. dangerous line of thought, though, because I'll have that when I do like a very bad show in Denver. <laughs> it's like, man, I just fucking did JFL. Like, why am I here yeah. oh, for, like, yeah. ten people? Yeah. And then I got to slap myself on the wrist. Of course. I got to, like, uh, like you know, when you miss a free throw shot and you got to snap the rubber band. <laughs> I got to do that to myself. Bad man. dog. Bad yeah. dog. Um, but, yeah, yeah, Norm's the best. And, Norm. And uh, I could write him because I've listened to thousands of hours of him speak. What is the uh, quintessential introduction to Norm McDonald's comedy for you? Um, watch that last Letterman set. Nice. Yeah. Like, lately? Recently? So it was the last set. It was the last episode of Letterman, and Norm was the last person to perform. Oh, cool. And at the end of it, he breaks down, and he has, like, this incredibly sincere moment, and he starts to cry. Because Letterman's his favorite comic. Like, he loves Letterman, <laughs> and Letterman's always been so good to him. And he, like... Uh, he, I don't know. Just watch it. It's awesome. Amazing. Okay. Yeah, and he does that bit about Germany. You ever seen that bit? Uh, no, it's about Nazis or something. Well, it's like uh, I think I remember something. Yeah, I don't know if you're I don't know if you're history buffs, but uh, Germany, they uh, they went to war. Who did they go to war with? The world. The world. <laughs> yeah. <Remember that> <laughs> yeah. Who did they choose as their opponent in this war? Yeah. The world. Uh huh. And that was the first world war, and then he talks about the second world war. Oh, great. And he's like, and he, believe it or not, it was cr- it was close. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, watch that. That's that's just that's a great interview. And you haven't met him. I think I heard you say that. On the never podcast. met the never guy. Never met him. Yeah. You'd love to, obviously. Yeah, I'd or would you? Shit never pants. meet. Never meet your heroes, kind of thing. No, I don't care about that. Yeah, I would want to not bother him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is you know what I would do. I, yeah. I've thought about it. All right. I would walk in to the green room at Comedy Works if I'm featuring for him or hosting him, and I would be carrying a work of fiction. But not one that's like too highfalutin. Like I wouldn't walk in with like uh, Infinite Jest. Okay. Right. I'd walk in with uh, maybe like uh, maybe Beloved, some Toni Morrison okay. thing, you know. Uh, or if I really wanted to hit it on the head, I'd walk in with like uh, some may- not Lolita, but some work for, by like Dostoevsky. Maybe Notes from the Underground. Sure. You know, something that looks like I might actually be reading it, and I'd leave it in a place where he could actually see it. 
And then that way he could be like, oh, have you, are you reading that? And I could be like, yeah, man. And like, I don't know <laughs> if I get it, blah, blah, blah. Like I, I read a lot of books, but I don't really understand, you know? And then of course, if it works, I then have to spring on him. By the way, I wrote a novel <laughs> that like close to 10,000 people have read and, uh, and you're featured prominently in it. By the way, not that I know a lot about you. Not that this was a completely preconceived setup. Uh, and that's hopefully if we hit it off. How artificial, know? Sam. That is Dude, very artificial. Completely fraudulent. <laughs> but also, the other option is, because I'm a sincere, earnest person, uh, so me walking into the room and being like, hello, Mr. McDonald, uh, you're, so pi- you're so important to me. I'm going to pivot again. You're so important to me that I wrote this book. Uh, yeah. And it's about this very room that we're sitting in. Right. And because uh, I know he has a copy. I know he has two copies. <laughs> Sean O'Connor dropped him off a copy. And then uh, who is yeah, Someone else gave him a copy, too. I don't know. I know that they were put in his mailbox at his home in L.A. There you go. Well, you'd yeah. wait for him to see you go up or something, and you, that's your in. That's what I always like. That's I don't think Norm would ever watch my set. Really? I don't think Norm's a guy who watches the yeah, sets. Okay. okay. Sanhope watches the sets, but I think Norm is uh, is in his notes. He's a kind of guy, notes. like yeah. a Louis C.K. guy. Yeah. But then you, yeah, you perform. So obviously, you're a performer of caliber, and he would. Hopefully, Wendy Curtis, the owner of Comedy Works, would be like, "Norm, by the way, this is Sam, and he wrote a very good book. There you go. And you're in it. There, and you're in it. Yeah." That's cool. There was no other. I thought maybe there would be. That's cool. There, it was always going to be Norm. I mean, it, again, and I'm. It wasn't. It just. It happened to be Norm. It yeah. happened to be that there needed to be a guy who was at the club. Who was fr- Billy yeah. Way? He connected Billy between the old world and you know. The and new that world. was great because up until then, it's almost like you're hearing about all these feats this guy had, and it and it sounds like a what, what a washed up fucking headliner would say to you. Like I did the Tonight Show, I had a development deal. I was, I was edited out of Beverly Hills Cop too. for being too funny for stealing his stealing scenes. the show yeah. from Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Um, Which I've heard someone say that is absurd. Yeah, and then also it's funny. what a great what a great brag. Oh, awesome brag! You can't, you, can't, you can't figure it out. You can't figure it yeah. out. Yeah, you know what are you gonna editor? ask Eddie Murphy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then Eddie's also I like that he was in Fletch Lives. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, on stage, he's like, I've done all types of bad shit. You know, I've robbed, I've used guns. I was in Fletch Lives, <laughs> <laughs> which is like the, the worst. Bad movie. shit, man. Bad shit. Never <laughs> yeah. forgive myself for some of that stuff. Damn. But that, that's and like right, it's like it's not. It's like in the middle, right? Or it's like kind of climaxing, and you're like, oh, this is real. Like Norm, Norm goes Billy Ray. Like it's like Norm knows him, and yeah. like so all of this stuff that's been built up as this sort of legendary, and also he's not the narrator, but it's all in his. Own, it's all in his. It's limited to his perspective. Mm-hmm. So you you do have some uh, chances of is this guy being unreliable or is he you know whatever. So it yeah. really, it really hits when Norm is like talking Billy Ray up to the young guns, um, you're like, oh, this guy was a legend. Like you do believe it. And then he has to kind of, and then he, and then he goes on and kind of faces yeah. those, those things further. It's per- it's perfect. It's right where it should be. Yeah. I think it makes sense. Yeah. And I just like that. He's the conduit between like what was and what yeah. is, you know? Yeah. Cause he's around. Jazzleneck hit me up. Like he tweeted about it and he talked about it on his podcast. A really? Times. That's amazing. It's awesome. You're getting some really good bumps. Also, he's really smart. He's like, so literate. He reads a lot, yeah. you know, and he said that it was a he said it was the best book about stand up, which is not a lot of competition, but just he said it was an excellent book, yeah. you know. Um and then he like hit me up in the DMs and was like the only thing I didn't like about it was Norm's the old sage character. I thought what? that was he didn't like that Norm was like this like 
you know, omnipotent moral compass sage. <laughs> and I was like, because him and Norm, he like knows Norm. Okay. We were in last comic together. Well, there you, you go. Know? Yeah. And I was like, well, you know, that's very valid. So was he criticism. ragging on Norm, you think, maybe? Or was, do you think that was a genu- genuinely valid, valid criticism? I don't know. I think it was like uh, the issue with like, you know, the magical black man in film. <laughs> yeah, where it's yeah. like you have this guy who like kind of knows all the answers or is like the guiding light. And, and it's like the author is just puppeting this guy. Correct. And just, yeah. and just here's the moral of the story. Because like Norm's like spiritual in the book yeah. a little bit, and like he asks, "Do you believe in signs?" Yeah. You know, which <laughs> it just seems like something Norm would say. You well, know? That's pretty cool. Like, I mean, if you're getting you're getting a little bit of of, uh, of uh, poison with the medicine from Jesselnick, uh, then you can take the good and run with it. Jesselnick's also been very. I mean. I saw a huge spike in sales the day that he talked Fuck about it on his podcast. Yeah, so I didn't know what it was, and then someone sent me the clip. You know, you're working overtime on in the. Uh, you're mailing this shit out from your house. Yeah, yeah. I am, man. It's cold in the garage now. How many hours a day is that? During the Kreischer time, it was like eight hours a day. When Kreischer was bumping it. Yeah, like when Stanhope Stan Hope was Stan talking Hope. about it, it was eight hours a day. Uh, and but after Kreischer, man, it was. It was all hands on deck. That's an aw- That's amazing, dude. It was great, but also I didn't like expect him to put it on his Instagram story. Yeah. So I had like a certain, you know, my inventory. I'd order books a thousand at a time, and then my inventory was down to like the last hundred, and those like moved. So then all these people are buying the book, and I'm doing Kreischer's pod. Meanwhile, I'm waiting for Amazon. It's like a twenty day process for them to get me the books. Yeah. So I'm like, fuck. had to like print off like package or like labels and then people would be like it said it was printed on this day and i'm like usps man they're the sorting yeah. machines you know <laughs> just like doing everything trump's I can. trying to shut the down the usps this and is also really it was stuff. on fire around here so like it yes. was a terrible time to be shipping out of fort collins you know it was a rough time there was fires yeah but if anyone didn't ever receive a book they'll hit me up and i'll send them another book you know there you go which is luckily maybe Less than one percent of books have been lost. Thank Good. God. Good. But How many have sold so far? Uh, we're we're close to ten thousand. Fuck yeah! And a lot of those now are from Amazon, um, which is fine. But like for a while, it was like my it was my website. The first like fifteen hundred, two thousand were my website, and then it was very neck and neck with Amazon for a while. And now I've been defeated by Amazon. Okay, yeah. So I'll sell. Like every independent bookseller. Correct, yeah. Which is still fine. I mean, I got like the 29th and the 30th of every month. I get that check from Amazon, and it's cool. Yeah, nice, man. And also, Amazon's tight because like like with my audio book, for Amazon is tight. Sam Talent. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's just, it's like they are able to promote in Italy and in Ireland. Right. And uh, if you bought Stanhope's book and you happen to live in japan or if you live in uh, india or pakistan like you get suggested that my book there's so many people have bought it along with stanhope's book so like i'm reaching more people than i would have they're yeah they're taking some money but they're giving you something for that money they're taking which is good yeah good yeah that's cool and then like with the audio book like oh yeah what's up what's happening you just sold the rights sold the rights to the audio book um, all the people, all those big comics are still reading it. Because you read did. It. Yeah. I have the audiobook done. Yeah. But then someone heard me on Kreischer, this big, like, agent guy, and he was like, hey, man, like, you can sell the rights to that audiobook if you want. 
So we sold it at auction. Uh, I just listened Saturday. to that on the way here, and, and, and Bert was like, I don't know how Audible works. And then he was describing um, buying a book on Audible. Yeah. He, was like, he was like, he didn't know how to work Audible to buy a book for himself, not, right. not, to, like, uh, not to like publish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that was hilarious. I think he has his hand held a lot. Sure. You know, because he's just like a money, a cash cow. Yeah. But yeah, so I don't know. It's cool because like they're. I would have sold my audiobook either through an RSS feed to a podcast, and you would okay. listen to it on a podcast player, okay. or I would have put it up on ACX, which is Audible's like self-publishing thing, okay. and they take X amount of percentage of every sale, or I sell it on my website, and you have to come to me to my website and buy it, and like maybe I sell a thousand books for thousand audiobooks for twenty bucks a book. With no overhead, grand. yeah. No overhead. Everyone did it for free. They were very generous. That's awesome. So maybe I get twenty grand, but. In the UK, you can't. They don't have Audible. Really? They wow. they use something called like Streamify or something. Okay. It's a different client over there. And then in, uh, you know, in fucking South Africa, they have a different thing. And then Australia has a different thing. So, selling the rights is cool because they do all that work. Okay. So I'm not gonna make as much money as I would. Well, I mean that if I sell, if you know, you sell the rights, you get X amount of dollars from the deal, and then you get 25% of each book sale. Yeah. So when I'm doing the math in my head, like, damn, if I sold like, you know, this many books myself, I'd make this amount of money, but also I don't want to have to do all that work. And then all that work is, is yeah. done. Well, good. So, so that's that, cool. Because that was up in the air for a while. Because you, you tweeted about that or you Instagrammed about that for a little while ago. So I had the I pre-orders up it. on my yeah. my website. They're supposed to come out October 1st. <clears throat> I got the book done, blah, blah, blah. And then I got hit up like September 28th by this guy. And he was like, I can sell the rights for this, but you can't sell it yourself so i had to refund all those pre-orders which i hit people up i sent a big email and i was like you can either get a copy of the book from me like the paperback or i can refund you and i think probably 60 percent of no 75 percent of people were like i'll take the copy of the book oh that's great and then like 20 percent of people were like hey man keep the 20 bucks like good for you fuck yeah maybe five to seven ten percent of people were like no big deal i'm happy for you i'll take the refund Wow. But I thought it was going to be like this cataclysmic, like lack of integrity, like how dare you, yeah. you charlatan, you huckster type <laughs> thing. And it wasn't any of that shit. That that's was a perfect. fight I had in my head. Oh, that's great. Yeah. What a relief. Total relief, dude. Yeah. Um, I'll let you go. I'll let you go pretty soon here. Um, I guess I want to ask you, I'm, I mean, I'm traveling around the country in this van. Yeah. I've been asking people I'm in different places, like uh, if you could go somewhere in the United States in the lower 48 for like a weekend. And you were driving there. Where would you go? So oh, I had to do? drive there from here in Fort Collins. No, I mean I'm driving there. So wherever, wherever, in wherever, wherever you think in the lower 48. Okay, so this time of year, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a couple answers. This time of year, I would love to fly into Boston, and I'd love to spend a couple days in Boston, uh, and then I'd love to drive up to Portland, Maine. Ooh. And then I'd love to pop over from there into Montreal. Wow. I'd like to go through Burlington and Manchester uh, and then go up into Montreal. Foliage. Foliage, dude. And also Montreal is the easiest way to go to Europe when you're in America because it's so European, dude. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's just oh, like. Oh, yeah, to go to Europe. Figured yeah. Because like, yeah. like, I'd never been to Paris. Me and my best friends, me and Nathan in the Fine Gentleman's Club went to Paris last year. Cause I was like, dudes, we gotta go somewhere. Like, Good what thing are we you doing? went, right? For sure, yeah. yeah. And like, I'm a total, I'm totally enamored with the romance of being in Spain and Italy, and like, I go to Europe as much as fucking possible. Cause I'm a total like, 
there's the wuss when it comes to <laughs> the idea of amazing. those old yeah, streets and yeah. just being a flaneur and walking around and like smelling bread and drinking really good <laughs> coffee and like you know eating squid in spain or uh uh just eating the best bread in the world or fucking italian tomatoes and drinking wine like all that shit just oh, i'm such a fucking prototypical pussy about <laughs> europe like i'm totally a 17 year old girl who studied abroad and now I come home and talk about how the olive oil is better. Like, it's just better. It's, it's just me. better there. They don't use GMOs. They don't use GMOs. It's pure. Italy's small. Yeah. They don't bring anything in from outside of Italy to the embargo. Everything right there. It's awesome. And it's cheap. It's right. It, you exactly. Know, yeah, it's and right someone there. someone had their hand in that dough that morning. That very morning. So, dude, you're all the, the voice you're doing is me in my head. <laughs> um, so I would, yeah, I would go. Once more, artifice. You're afraid of the art of, of uh, coming off as like a Euro lover douche. Right. But also, like, there's a reason that that's an archetype. Yes. Because <laughs> it am, is yeah. insanely moving the first that. time you go there. I think yeah. it's part of growing up is like, no, no, no. I'm not doing this thing where I like Europe. I just like Europe. You know what I mean? Like, it's I'm not, not a bit. It's not a bit. And <laughs> yeah. it's not a pretension. No. Um, this is how I feel. I and love also. There's not an uglier American in Europe than me. <laughs> like, I'm over there wearing fucking shorts, you know, wearing a, a cowboy shirt. They hate it. Uh, wearing fucking New Balance. They hate it. They hate it. Like, do I wear a scarf when I'm in France. You stick out like a sore thumb. Oh, my God. They know. They literally, <laughs> when I order squid ink pasta in Rome, the chefs come out of the kitchen to watch me eat it. Like, <laughs> like I don't know what they did in there. But this is something no one's ever ordered, and they get to come out and watch this fucking gluttonous buffoon consume this prank of a meal that no one's ever <laughs> ordered off the menu. Um, so, yeah, I would go to Boston, hit Providence, go up to Portland, Maine, uh, move over through Burlington and Manchester, New Hampshire, up to Montreal. Montreal. Um, Beautiful. So that's one just because it's seasonal. All right. It's any time of the year, I am flying to New Orleans, spending as much possible time in New Orleans as I can, Driving uh, east from there through Ocean Springs, hitting the casinos in Ocean Springs in Biloxi, and then going to Pensacola. Pensacola. And a couple days in Pensacola. I was supposed to be at a wedding in Pensacola uh, in earlier this month, and I didn't get to go. Obviously. I'm sorry to hear that. I know. Have you I been gonna, there before? I have not. I was going to hit New Orleans on the way. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It's, uh, New Orleans is like, uh, that's, that's, our, that's our best city. Can you do comedy there? Oh, yeah. I know you can. Okay, you can do comedy. Oh, comedy. dude. Okay. If, you're, if you're a young comic listening to this, you're like less than five years in, and you're looking, where do I move? I move to Chicago, to move to Seattle or Denver. Go to New Orleans for a year. Damn. Cost of living is very cheap. Nice. No better lifestyle. Uh, no better culture in, than in New Orleans. Uh, it's on the water. It's our oldest place. It's a real melting pot. You can like make friends with a black person, you know, instead of just reading about it in books. <laughs> um, but yeah, Pensacola. I'm going there for a week. Uh, I'm going there like the 14th of November through the 21st of November. That'll help, right? That'll help with the winter blues. There's already yeah. fucking snow on the ground out there. It was 12. We, I think we got 14 inches. Jesus Christ. On Sunday night. It was hell. Dude. My God. It's all melting now. The sun was out all day. Yeah, I know. It's been good. I've been able to get outside again because I like being outside a lot. Um, but yeah, dude, Pensacola. It's, it, New Orleans is pretty warm all year round. Yeah, it all is. Right, good. Because I'm sleeping yeah. in a van. Yeah, I mean, if you might have to wear a fucking sweatshirt. Yeah. What they think is cold there, like, I'm going to Pensacola in November with every intent of swimming. Yeah, yeah. Because no one will be on the beaches. Yeah. <laughs> they think I'm insane. They're only on the beach three months out of the year. It's 65, though, right? It's or awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, me and my wife and all of our best friends are going down there for a week and just eating grouper cheeks and fishing. Ooh, grouper and cheeks. Yeah, we're, it's cool because, like, 
the whole crew has a little bit of money these days, <laughs> you know, like David Bory and like Brent Gill and my wife. And like, so we're getting a very nice house and just going to like live. Got a little bit of money. It's nice. A right? little bit of money. A little bit. Like, I'm not saying we're like rich, but like. I got, I got that Airbnb, split an Airbnb money. Correct, yeah. dude. Yeah. yeah. But it's like a porno Airbnb. <laughs> it's like a porno mansion type situation. And like, am I good with my money? I think so. But like when it comes to celebrating and being with people. Well, you haven't had very much yet. Right, I assume. What's up? You haven't had very much money yet. I haven't had. This is the most money I've ever had in my life. Is right. All right. Now. Yeah. So like, I've always been involved in if the. You read the book. Sphere. If you read the book. You would have been fucked. No. Yeah. For sure. Because as like you're making your money on the road. Would have been crippled. You yeah, would have maybe yeah. got some unemployment. Maybe I think I got unemployment. Oh too. hell yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's not even. Uh, yeah. Let's not even address yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Woo. Um. Great. Yeah, but. That's I would have right been there. boned. This podcast dude. is sponsored by the New York State Department of Labor. That's why oh, good. Yeah, that's why I is yeah. that your van? Yeah, the white, the van. little white yeah, van, little and you van. own that van. I own it. That's very cool. Um, my Third band always wanted that van. Is it a Ford? Ford Transit Connect. Yeah, yeah. We always wanted the one that's a little bit longer. Yeah, mm-hmm. XLT. Mm-hmm. You always want the XLT model. I will. I mean, I I definitely love. I've spent a lot of time in my early twenties trying to buy that van. Such or a great one. gas mileage. Um, and uh, it fits a twin mattress between the back seat and the and the back of the car, and that's all I need. Yeah, you got to figure it out, man. Yeah, yeah, you should just be out there fucking slaying strange and like uh, sleeping outside. Don't sure. wink at me, you <laughs> pig. It's a fucking visual podcast; they can see. I know. I winked with the off eye. Yeah. Well, now it's all. Right, now it's all Bell's palsy. Now it's all. <laughs> no, but yeah, you should just be cleaning up right now. How old are you? I'm 30. Yeah, you're fine, man. Yeah. You're you're nailing it. Yeah. I'm in my youth. So. And as jealous as I am of a man in your situation, like I also love uh, the d- domesticity of having a wife and a partner that I like admire and like look up to and really want to honor and like create a life together. But, you know, it's always you're like, damn, if I didn't have a wife, I would have died from Corona. The grass is always green. <laughs> I wouldn't have quit working, you know? No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. dude. If it's just yeah, that's the thing. It's like if it's just me, it's like yeah, it's it's less. It's, it's like I don't have. It's only like I have like elderly parents I'm going home to every night. It's yeah. Like, do I, if I get it, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um. Well, thank you so much for the book is fucking running the light. Running Available the light. SamTalent.com. Buy it at SamTalent.com and not on Amazon. Yeah. Um. Get the. I love. I'm loving audiobooks. Uh. Right now, obviously, and that's. You read like, Norm's audiobook? No. He I've heard it. that audio autobiography is so funny and crazy. It's I think it was the best novel that came out that year. Fuck yeah. Because it is All a right. novel. It's like he fights God and the devil in that <laughs> book and stuff. He like goes like seal hunting. It's like, entirely fictionalized. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm There's almost done with of truth. I'm almost done with Matthew McConaughey's uh, uh, memoir right now, which is so fucking good. Is it? It's so good because of what it is. I mean, and is like, that just because you're a hot dude who admires this swinging lifestyle? Oh uh, shit, actually, yeah. He does right? After, dude, after uh, a time to kill his the, his big break, he bought a van and he brought his dog. He drove around with his dog, and he had a podcast mic and a tape recorder so he could record my thoughts as I drove. Yeah, that like, rules. Uh, it was great. I mean, like he is. Yeah, he is a sure. He's a hero. Sure. He also does rule. He does rule. He's doing. He's doing it on his own terms. I mean, like this is my thing where it's like I'm not. I don't like McConaughey as a bit. I like. I just think that he's an interesting and inspirational dude. Yeah. Um. Five years ago, I'd be like, I love McConaughey's audiobook, and I'd be like, nudge, nudge, nudge. Yeah. Aren't I so interesting mm-hmm. and uh, quirky? Um. But I'm almost done with that. It's called. It's called. Uh, <laughs> it's called green lights yeah and he'll just end he'll punctuate he's reading it too and uh like he'll be like part two 
Woo! <laughs> like he just goes. <laughs> I'm like, where is that written down, McConaughey? Where, where, what is? What would I? What would I have read if I read your book? Um, that's great. He's like, you know, it's part two. Uh, I mean, him and True Detective, Dallas Buyers Club. Oh my God! He's the truth. He's a master. Yeah. yeah, he's a master, and also he happens to be like a very chill dude who wants to. Yeah, I mean, like, and at no point does he apologize for the. He doesn't even question his own artifice. He doesn't question like the kind of fucking dumbass that he is he's never like like he'll have a story about like i had to fight my dad he made me fight like he said fight me and at no point does he go that was bad parenting he goes and that was the day i became a man he just does, <laughs> he just says that he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't go like he doesn't go like and you know and now I, as a father i understand that you shouldn't make your son fight you with <laughs> yeah. a two by four uh to prevent you from stealing a bunch of pipe which was that was the story what like copper pipe he goes no uh, they used to be they used to sell oil pipe in texas and they call it rolling pipe and he yeah. goes, matthew we're gonna go we're gonna roll pipe tonight and matthew's like i don't want to do that dad and he goes you're gonna roll pipe with your dad or you're gonna fight me and he had to fight him stand up to his dad and fight him with a two by four like a like a bum like king like dude instead of a sword it was a two by four yes Did his dad yes. have one too no so it was like a duel but he had the he had the weapon he had to fight his father yeah and like and and what the result was only uh maturation on mcconaughey's end and respect on his father's end there was no like that was a dysfunctional episode we just had yeah we all need to address our drinking problems and we need to talk about as a family that we have a, a toxic environment none of that is addressed huh. not even for a second is that even questioned that you wouldn't hit your dad in the head with a two by four um so that's, maybe that's maybe I'll listen to this thing. It's six hours. You'll br- you'll breeze through it. Like uh, and I it's saw he did every podcast available. And Dude, I was like what's he up to? Maybe no one else can book. do. Yeah, no one else can. No, one, I think I feel like no one else can just do uh, Rogan and Mayer and both on Zoom in the same week. And yeah. they would. I, don't, I feel like they would be like kind of like, come on. Uh, but he's just like, I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he got it. It's all about. It's called Green Lights, and he 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 punctuates most paragraphs with the word Green Lights. He'd be like, and and lo and behold. I got the part, green lights, <laughs> <laughs> like that, <laughs> like to himself. I'm like, is that written in the book? I don't know. So that's what I'm, I'm into it. So the audiobook would be, I'm sure it sounds awesome. You got Mark Normand, um, who Kreischer, else? Kreischer, Stanhope, uh, Ari Shafir, uh, Chris Gethard, the crew, the can the, the Adam Caton Holland, uh, of course, Denver Zone. Yeah, David Bory, uh, your my, boy, my best friend in the world. Um, Jesus Christ, I can't. And a bunch of nobodies who you don't even care about anymore. Yeah, a bunch of fucking idiots. Obviously, if they were Kreischer, Stanhope, Shafir, Kinane, Dan Soder, Mark Norman, Chris Gethard, Trey Crowder, Jackie Cation, David Borey, Adam Caton Holland, and uh, there's a couple, uh, couple secret voices that are in there. Yeah, that uh, probably not good to mention who they are, so I can be on the right side of history. Uh (laughs) Aha! Okay, gotcha. Message received. That was a. That was a. Louis. <laughs> is it? It's Louis Farrakhan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, not Louis no, but Louis has the book. Fuck yeah. Joe List gave Louis the book. Ooh. So I didn't know Joe List read it. That's great. I was yeah, on Joe List podcast. He didn't mention it on his podcast. No. Um I'm, I think they're gonna when the when the audiobook comes out, I'm gonna have them do a Fuck yeah, yeah for sure. You buy an ad. Not when even. Michael I was because Joe was like, This is insane. Yes. Because Mark Norman can't read. Like literally, like he, like him reading that audiobook was like painful. It might have been the, it might have been the most. That's altruism, dude. Norman got nothing from that. He dragged himself across glass. He's like dyslexic, right? To do like a favor to someone he's met three times. 
<laughs> he faced his like elementary school trauma. Yeah, probably. dude. Yeah, like the, he was probably dreading like oh, I'm gonna, I'm next in line. Gotta read. Better yeah, come something funny to say. Like that's kind of that's like I could see that being why he's funny, dude. I have. I mean, fucking Soder should be reading every audiobook in the world. What a what a voice. Oh, and also he did characters. He did voices for every character. <laughs> you know, but yeah, get that audiobook when it comes out. Get man. the audiobook. Um, yeah, that anything else? That's no. the, the plugs. This Thank you so much for doing the podcast, this was a man. Pleasure, man. It really Thank was you. for yeah. me as well. Thanks for coming. No problem. So that is it. Thank you for listening to my episode with Sam Talent, eloquent guy, smart guy, uh, talented, <laughs> talented guy, if you will. Pardon the pun. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe and like the page. If you're watching this on Instagram, whatever you know, you share it in your story. You know how to. You know how to support. You know how to support podcasts. I really, I would really appreciate it personally. If you personally know me, um, I will reach out and thank you if you do any of these things, um, and I will consider it a personal favor, and I will personally help you move. I will personally help you move if you do any of these things for me right now, because I'd love to have this thing take off. So those are all the asks. Um, Thank you so much for listening to the end right now. Um, Our theme song is by Steve Gerrard. How great was that theme song? I love it. I'm so excited that he was able to do that. Um, and he records music under the name Sofas. Uh, that's his band's name, Sofas, S-O-F-A-S. And uh, the logo on the podcast is designed by Rudy Schultz. And he does a great work. Uh, so uh, have him do work for you. Uh, thanks again for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll catch you next time. <laughs>